Welcome everyone to All About All Elite for the week of April 6th, 2019 in a weekend that if you did not know better, you would think pro wrestling ruled the world. This is NXT, it's G1 Supercard, it's WrestleMania, it's so many other shows, and it's a week where AEW signs Jim Ross and Jim Ross makes his debut on the road to Double or Nothing. We'll talk about that. We will talk about the potential of a TV deal in October. Plus, as always, we have convinced me. We talked being the elite. We talked Road to Double or Nothing. MLW Fusion, the Legacy Series. Ladies and gentlemen, I am the LOP Mystic, a.k.a. your one-man hype band. And I am joined by my friend and co-host, by God, my learned colleague, Mr. Mizfan. The Brain. Greetings, Miz fan fans. Welcome indeed to another edition of All About All Elite. We do have lots going on. My uh, everything social media, everything filled with wrestling that's happening this weekend. It's everywhere. It's everything uh, that you could possibly want. So yeah, I will say thank you for listening to the show. But you should also be out there checking out some of the great Wrestling shows that are happening right now, a lot of them may even have talent from All Elite Wrestling on them. So if you don't know those people, go out and find them. So much good stuff going on right now. You can't you can't take a step without tripping over a worthwhile wrestling show right now. It's a very, very nice time to be a wrestling fan this weekend is. It is a very nice time to be a wrestling fan. I think a lot of people are going to enjoy this weekend on multiple um scenarios and that is it's really the best of both worlds i would suppose if i were a fan who could enjoy either nxt and wrestlemania and then either g1 supercard or some of the other shows being put on so whether you're someone who will choose one or the other or you are lucky enough to enjoy from all of them have fun this weekend and just celebrate mm. pro wrestling yep i love it i love it let's get into the show i'm excited so we'll talk Jim Ross a little bit later because, we, like I said, we actually have his debut. But I want to start off in the news and rumors. JR is already talking on non-AEW shows, and he's already talking about a TV deal. So, yeah, I don't know how this will be received because when Chris Jericho came in, he said, I would not have signed if there was not a TV deal. But people still did not take that to mean anything. And now Jim Ross has said... This AEW is overwhelming for me to be 67 years old and be anointed the voice of a brand that's going to be debuting in October on national TV on a major cable network, which can't be named now. When people hear what network we're going to be on, they're going to be doubly excited. It's a network we can all find. <laughs> nice to know. Yeah, I mean, it's never really even been a question that they either have or, you know, will have a TV deal. Um, and certainly, if nothing else, Jim Ross comes coming on makes me think, you know, Jericho, you know, he's working all the time. And Jim Ross is not above telling the lie either. But I don't think Jim Ross at his age would be involved in a product that, you know, wasn't going to have TV, um, you know, wasn't going to be a big deal. So, 
Yeah, um, I'm sure people will continue to deny that this TV deal exists until the moment that they come on the air, but those people are weird and sad, and I don't have time for them. Yeah, and as I've already said two times on the show, they always win because they'll immediately shift from, you know, not the fact that they said there's not going to be a show to critiquing the channel it's on or the show itself or something, so they will not miss a beat. Indeed. Um, I don't know where this is from. I watched some of the Jim Ross or listen to some of the Jim Ross comments or from this, but I did not see this from Ross, but I didn't watch all of it. But in the same uh, news clip, it says AEW will have a weekly two-hour live TV show. Yeah, I so. saw something about that as well. Um, cool. I'm all right with that. You know, I kind of like the one-hour shows, but uh, for the scope of what they're trying to do, two is fine. You know, I grew up watching two-hour shows and never had a problem with it. So, uh, yeah, bring it on. Two hours is ideal for me. If it's a, a smaller promotion, but you can't have AEW and it be one hour a week and nothing else. Yeah, probably not. And so. damn well shouldn't be three hours. So <laughs> Three hours is a long time for anything. So yeah. And if it's live, that's an opportunity that TNA rarely had. Yeah. And I don't think you can overstate it. Because no matter how much you like a wrestling promotion, when it's two, three, four <laughs> weeks old and you probably know what happened before you watched it, it takes away from the opportunities in this day and age. So I think if it can be live, if that's a true fact, that's a big step in the right direction. Yeah, for sure. You know, we're in an age where everyone complains about spoilers, yet they go out to dig them up immediately when they're available. So, uh, so yeah, if there's just no opportunity, no temptation for that, so much the better. It's going to be a better reflection on the show, I think. In a world where I, where I still have no idea what being a more athletic presentation means, Jim Ross speaks to that and does not help clarify anything for me at all. So he says, I think what they're shooting for is a more athletic presentation. It will hopefully be less eye-rolling than the sophomore drama class trying to convince you in a 10-minute promo of anything they're saying. It's too long. Our audience can't handle that. Uh, first impression is... Hey, we're going to be uh, not like WWE, I guess. It's kind of, you know, we're not going to open with the long promos. Um, more athletic. Yeah, I don't know. We're going to be, we're, we're going to have matches like New Japan that you guys love so much. And I don't know how I feel about that, if that's the, how it's going to be. But uh, that's what I'm getting out of this. It's so confusing because, well, there's New Japan or Ring of Honor. Don't you have that already? Mm, yeah, true. And then... WWE has a lot of wrestling at times, too, so, you know, just because they start the show. And the promo is not the problem. It's the stupid promos written by writers who don't know anything about pro wrestling. True. But true. but having promos is not the problem. So that's just – I'm just going to delete that paragraph and <laughs> say that. Maybe he's saying they're going to do the old uh, the old style where it's not someone comes out and talks for 15 minutes at the top of the show, but instead they'll have their version of Mean Gene backstage, and you'll cut a nice, like – one or two minute promo and get your point across and not, you know, spend the whole day talking. It's not going to be one guy comes out, talks for 10 minutes. Oh, their opponent came out. They talked for five minutes. Oh no, someone else came out. Now they're talking for some more minutes and you know, kind of the tropes that we've seen. I don't know. We'll see. I definitely want the tropes dead and gone. I love it. So I'm, I'm with you and we will, we know who that announcer will be because when we talked the road to double or nothing, the entire announce team, ring announcer, backstage announcer, Everybody for AEW is now in place after this week. So yeah, that's yeah. kind of a big as far as, uh, as far as speaking into microphones go. Lastly, Jim Ross says, 
I want to earn the respect back from those who did not hear me in my prime. That's a nicer way of phrasing it than he does in the Double or Nothing video. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, that the, the, the little part in the Double or Nothing video is what I mean about not being able to, like, he, he has to get so sour so fast and all the time. <laughs> He really does, but we'll wait and, and speak on that when we come to but it. I at least like that because I want to want Jim Ross there. I want to like Jim Ross there because for me, it would make I would be very happy to see Jim Ross announcing on T on uh, TBS at six oh five for AEW. I'd have no problem with that. <laughs> at six oh five, they got to do it. Yep. Yeah, and who knows? Who knows? But the problem is. Like, I take people's word for it that he's gone to other promotions and not done a good job, and he's 67 years old, so I'm not making a big fight for him. Right. But would I like for him to rise up and do something? Yes, I would. Does he have the opportunity right now? Yes, he does. Will it make a difference that it's a three-year contract, a lot of money, a lot of expectations? I hope so. We'll see, though. So... Yeah, I never had any objection to a motivated and uh, capable Jim Ross coming in because I am a big fan of Jim Ross, the commentator, um, at least insofar as uh, the good things that he can bring to the product. Um, if he can't bring those, then that's another story. But, you know, I mm -hmm. guess we'll find out for sure because now, no, we can't avoid it because, uh, you know, if he's in, he's in. He's in, bud. He's in. Um, fun little comment from Marty's girl. Who did he want to be his father? Hmm. Morris Girl says, I was the biggest Bret Hart fan ever. When I was a kid, my father wasn't around, so I'd watch and wish Bret Hart was my dad. Him and Owen at WrestleMania 10 was such a phenomenal match. The type of wrestler I like, it told a story. So Marty wanted Bret Hart to be his father. How do you feel about that, Shane? It's interesting. Bret Hart might become my favorite, like... My favorite thing has ever happened in wrestling, ever. Because in the context of all the matches I'm watching where so many people do stuff for no goddamn reason at all, I sit around thinking, man, at least Bret Hart made sense. Like, he was doing <laughs> things on purpose. So if Marty wants to look back to a day where, you know, people did things, you know, because it made sense in the match, I'm not going to be mad at him. Interesting uh, statement by Marty. Um, and by you, I never thought I would hear that, but I get where <laughs> you're coming from. Uh, I don't know. I would not have I, I would not have put Marty Scroll and Bret Hart together from no. all that I have seen, but uh, who knows? Maybe I'm not uh, seeing the right things, so another case of uh, we all have to see. It made me think he needs to be a better wrestler because I've only watched a few of his matches, but he's always trying to tell a story in the match, but so much is with antics. You know, yes. if you yes. like storytellings and matches, but you like Bret Hart, then, you know, tell the story with your wrestling. <laughs> right. You couldn't accuse Marty of being bland, which, ironically, you could accuse Bret Hart of being. Yeah. Um, they're almost, like, opposite. Like, Bret is telling the story, but he's doing it in, like, this measured way that can be boring to some people and can turn people off. Marty, you couldn't call him boring because, yeah, he's, like, flapping around and, like, wearing mm -hmm. weird outfits and, you know, doing dances and doing, like leading the crowd in chants and all of this stuff. But then, yeah, his wrestling, I don't know if it tells a story. Um, so, I don't know. We'll see. All right. We will see. It, Marty is clearly on his way to AEW. I hate to rain on your parade. <laughs> yeah. If, you, if you're big on this weekend or even NWA, Marty's on his way to AEW. He could be NWA champion and go to AEW. Yeah. I want to throw that out there. It's possible. I don't believe that they'll they'll take it from Magnus, though. 
Um, he could never beat his big brother. <laughs> big bro. Indeed. Indeed. So Cody, this is another small thing that says, the two best matches of his career are with Kenny Omega and Christian. Um, I have not seen either of the uh, Cody no. Omega matches, so I can't comment on those. I know they are thought of well, insofar as all Kenny Omega matches yeah. are thought of well, and that has not always been my experience. Um, but if you love that, awesome, good for you. I don't know what Christian match he's talking about. I even actually like <laughs> tried to look it up, and he wrestled Christian, uh, you know, four or five times on TV, on pay-per-view, but none of these matches are, like, really, you know, they're like, oh, that was an okay match. That was fine, you know. They really have no reputation. So I'm sure I would like those matches because I like Christian. I like Cody. I would probably like them more than the Omega matches, to be perfectly honest, mm. because that's my taste. But still, I don't know. I'm a little surprised. But, yeah, cool. You, more, more power to him. There's one more example that if Vince McMahon was not so gross and ridiculous with his desires and opinions, Christian should have been a much bigger star than he ever got to be. I love Christian. I mean, we both do. So, yeah, yeah. there's no argument there. Yeah, name dropping. When you're Cody Rhodes and you're friends with Kenny Omega, who's supposed to be the best wrestler in the world, and you name drop Christian and Omega, that's not a small thing. No, yeah. That, that's great respect to Christian. If Christian was still wrestling, I think he was trying to lure him away. Yeah. Maybe he is anyway. Maybe he wants him to be a producer or something. I'm yeah. sure he's got a great mind for that kind of thing. He'd be, yeah, he'd be good at that, I'm sure. I, I would think, yeah. So, for podcast fans out there, um, Conrad Thompson announces that uh, the Jim Ross podcast will, will likely begin in April. So, we will probably get that debut show this month. That's a big deal for me because I don't have anything to listen to. I don't know what it is. I like something to wrestle. That one I became a big fan of, but there's so, so few shows after I listen to 10 or 15 that I actually care about. Mm -hmm. I don't want to listen to them talk about pay-per-views, like cover a pay-per-view, because I'm doing, you know, we're going to eventually do WWF The Legacy Series, and I don't want to hear them do it first. Right. Um, and then there's just not that many interesting episodes left. Uh, Tony Schiavone, I listened to him once or twice, and it was interesting just to hear Tony, but the show was not interesting. And Eric Bischoff was, to me, just 0% quality, just shit. So I got <laughs> nothing to watch. I hope Jim Ross's will be better. I hope they will do a lot of non-WWE shows for a while because and work their way towards that. But we'll see. I would love to hear Jim Ross talk about WCW in an honest way and not whoever's paying him that week. So we shall see another podcast from a man who somehow cannot be stopped, Mr. Conrad Thompson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he's got those industry connections. Um so yeah, he's making the most of them. Can't, can't yeah. fault him for that. And yeah, do it while you can, buddy. Yep, sure. Big congratulations finally to Kushida, who signed with NXT. I don't know if you saw that or not. I did. Um, good for him if that's where he wanted to be. Uh, he's actually one of my favorite people in New Japan. Um, but as always, I have mixed feelings when someone I like goes to WWE, because honestly, you know, they're going to do something good, I'm sure. But also, they're kind of going to get lost in the machine, and I'm probably not going to seek them out. Um, and that's just me. That's not a reflection necessarily on them. Maybe not even on WWE, you know, take that or leave it. But, yeah. uh, you know, like I said, if that's where he wants to be, good for him, and I know he'll do good work. So everyone uh, who doesn't know Kushida, check him out. He's very, very good. He is one that I would have definitely loved to see in AEW. Yeah, same. So, you know, that's a big loss. I hope he does well there. Um I cannot. I can't go without shouting out my dear 
beloved Alex Shelley, who retired way back in the day, yep. who was, who almost went to NXT and then a TNA lawsuit, I think, pretty much halted that. Oh, some some folks' that. lives what are not meant to be. What's that? What an ugly story. I never knew that. That's, yeah, that's, um, that's terrible. I don't know for sure, but there was, there was like strong rumors, him and maybe someone else, and then all of a sudden, it's like WCW and WWE. For a while, they did whatever they wanted to, and then someone was like, "No, we're gonna put it. We're gonna put our foot down now." Yeah, just arbitrarily, just throwing yeah. somebody. Ran, like, look how many people have gone back and forth. You're gonna throw down a roadblock for Alex Shelley. You know yeah. why? That's just rude. God. It feels like some people's lives are just. But I think he's doing something medical. Like he's he's finished all his classes I, I saw a year ago, and then he's going to do something in the medical field. So well, good, good for, for him. him. He'll probably be healthier when he's yeah. older than uh, all these people who are still trying to run in the game. So I think getting his teeth knocked out in the Ring of Honor was like the last straw. He's like, oh, oh geez. Geez. no, that happened either. That's that's pretty brutal. Yeah, I used yeah. to be annoyed when people wore mouth guards because they look so weird. But now I'm like, why? Mm. You, you should wear a mouth guard, honestly. <laughs> Aesthetics like be that. damned. Like your teeth are important. Yeah, man, that's good. Good call. Good reasonable uh, evolution there from this fan. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so um, the worst show that AEW puts out we'll be covering this week, and it's Being the Elite. The show that is the least for us, at least. Yeah, it is for the hardcore. Because, man, there's like ten different references I don't get in every segment. So if you're one of them that watches it every weekend, you start reading the comments, they're like, oh, he's referencing this that references that. And for them, that's the fun thing. For me, it's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, they built up this little little world that, yeah, no, I, I don't understand a lot of this either. It's not very accessible, which is weird to me for a show. I don't know. I guess the point of the show is not to, like, bring in new fans. I guess that's, like, Road to Double or Nothing, maybe. So. Yes, I don't... I don't... <sighs> the young Bucks don't strike me as being very accessible. <laughs> and yet, I mean... For their popularity, I don't know. I mean, beyond the Young Bucks, they're definitely accessible to their crowd and their brand. Fair enough, yes. But I just don't, yeah, I don't see them do a lot of other. And Kenny Omega, for God's sake, I, the more <laughs> I watch him, the less I know what he's about. <laughs> like, he is just a mystery to me. And he whispers, and you can't hear him. Like, I cannot hear, I can never watch Being the Elite and hear everybody and what they say because the volumes and their tones are so far apart mm, yeah weird production so the reason that we're covering this above all things is because of the opening segment which i laughed i cried i gave cody <laughs> Rhodes an award oh my god i love the rocky balboa speech so much and then here comes mjf i don't know why is at cody Rhodes' house that might be a good way not to be caught by cody Rhodes, but he's sneaking into some place and it turns into uh, what looks like a to catch a predator moment where uh, MJF is in the kitchen and he thinks that uh, Cody's not there, but Cody is there. Cody asks him to sit down. He goes into a long speech about, they wanted me to say these things. You got to understand it. And Cody just sit down. And then we get Cody saying, used to fit in the palm of my hand. Oh, my God. <laughs> so he does the entire Rocky Balboa speech from the Rocky movie. Um, you don't see MJF's face for the longest time, and when you do, it's very perplexed, as it should be, because what the, what's he talking about, what is going on here? I like this for several reasons, I like it, number one, because I love the Rocky Balboa speech, I like it because 
Cody Rhodes is fucking gold. MJF is fucking gold. And because I think the biggest mistake they made, I don't know why they had to do it, was letting that uh, whole angle where he's good to Cody Rhodes and bad to everyone else end so soon. I think that was stupid. I think it could have went on into like real life AEW, which is what I consider not to be this shit, but to be whenever they get on TV. <laughs> they could have had a long run, but they got rid of it in a couple of weeks. And now the balance of power has shifted again. I don't know where we're at. I don't know who is Cody holds the power. Is he going to forgive him? Is he going to torture him? I don't know what's going to happen. And you know who else doesn't know what's going to happen? MJF. Because finally, when that long speech is over and Cody leaves, MJF looks at the camera and just mouths, What the fuck? <laughs> what the hell's going on, Miss Fan? <laughs> I have no idea. Um, it took me a while to place that speech. I, like, I've heard this before, I swear. I thought it was maybe like a dusty thing, but no, it was Rocky Balboa. I don't know the series as well as some, clearly. But uh, I did place it in the end. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It was sort of strange, but also compelling. And uh, partly because it's a good speech, and partly because Cody is really um, great yeah. in his delivery. And partly because, yeah, anything with Cody and MJF is going to be appealing to me. So two of my favorite guys on the brand so far. So, yeah, I, I was sort of with MJF at the end, where it's was like, WTF? <laughs> but also, I like your, your take on it. It's like, now... MJF is kind of like even more in the dark because um, like, yeah, yeah is, is there something more coming? Is the axe going to fall on him? Is it OK now? Is Cody, you know, it, it's uh, it creates some mystery and some intrigue. So I, I like it. I'm, all, I'm about it. Because at least what they've given me, I feel like Cody likes this kid and Cody wants to be able to. But he, I think he knows the reality. So <laughs> maybe it's in MJF's ball. Like, Ballpark, we'll find out because it doesn't take long for MJF to go right back to being MJF. So whatever was meant to be done does not extend outside of Cody. But I also, I, I love this speech. I've listened to it a bunch, bunch, bunch of times, so I know every word of it. And so I was waiting till the end because interesting too at the end is don't forget to visit your mother who has actually passed away. But you know, in this context, I was like, does that mean he needs to go apologize to Brandy? Does he need yeah. to talk to Brandy? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's another question. Like, I'm not sure that being, I don't know if anything on being the elite has consequences. Um, yeah. You know, so I have no idea. But yeah, did Cody hear just MJF's comments about him? Did he hear everything? Like that awkward dinner yeah. scene where MJF was like horrible to his wife? Is that what he was referencing? You know, we really don't know. We have no idea. Um, so yeah, it, it's a question that we're going to have to address as we go along here. Yeah, I don't know if they'll let it play out well, but I think. I just I love the scene for what it is because of just the, the things you said, but I love the perplexing part because MJF really thinks he's smarter than everybody in the room, right. and a lot of times he is. But really, if there is a father figure, despite age or whatever, Cody Rhodes is that father figure in the AEW, especially while he still got his cane. I think that gives him some more credibility to this. So he's really sunning him, and he's also letting him know, like you're not the smartest person in the room. You came into this room afraid I'd be in here, afraid of what I'm going to say, and you're going to leave this room afraid of where I'm going to be, afraid of what I'm going to say. So he's not letting him off the hook easy, and I do hope they continue the storyline because, my God, they started something amazing. Don't kill it for no good reason. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, that just made something, for sure. 
the vibe I got when it started before I kind of placed it was almost like a Godfather kind of thing. Mm. So now MJS got to walk around and be like, am I going to get whacked or is yeah. everything okay? Or, you know, it's uh, okay. Yeah, I can get into that. <laughs> he deserves to walk around like that a little bit. He does. Like, yeah, for sure. You know, I love the guy and I like what he does to some of these guys. But at the same time, man, you got to, there's so <laughs> I'm not, okay. Anyway, uh, don't, don't do it to dust. Don't do it to, uh, to Cody, I almost said Dusty. Wow, don't do it to Cody and um, Brandy. He, Cody was the most dusty-ish I've ever seen him in this yes. scene. I'll just say that. That was in the comment section too. It's like that's the first time I've heard Dusty speak through Cody. Sure, yeah. So I love it, man. I love what Cody Rhodes is becoming. Um, this is just more and more and more and more as I get less and less convinced. The AEW can keep me. More and more, I know the only way they will would be the vision of Cody Rhodes. Mm. So a lot of definitely the part that's for us. (laughs) Yeah, for us, and that's. I think we make that clear. You know, we're not faulting. If you're here for the Young Bucks, we are proud and happy for you. If you're here for Kenny Omega, if you're here for Michael Nakazawa, whatever. We're not, not not knocking. We can only speak, though, from our lived experience and what we see and what we're looking for because we're not just going to cover a show that we don't enjoy for years and years and years. If you're here for Michael Nakazawa, uh, then I guess Being the Elite is the show for you, especially if you're a marker yes. hearing his name because we hear it about 8 million times on this episode. <laughs> yeah, um, so last week, Matt, Matt, Matt is having all these um, episodes where – he sees Michael Nakazawa or hears him when people are not saying that. And then last week, he's the only person who does not want to do that show in Florida. Uh, he's the holdout. And But last week, he finally answered the phone. And he made an agreement that nobody else in the elite knew about that he would do the show as long as that whoever it is promoting the show, I don't know all this context, right. would, would wrestle Michael Nakazawa in a death match. So... He made that agreement last week. This week we see Kenny Omega come to his room to say, you know, I've been out of line. You know, we're doing a lot of stuff. Maybe we don't need to do that show. But Matt, of course, has had that change of heart. And Matt's like, no, 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 you were right. We will do the show. Um, as a matter of fact, I've already started working on things. What do you think about this? And so he pitches the death match. And uh, Kenny, who just seems like a, a good guy who, you know, doesn't have a lot of intentions one way or the other, is really worried that, uh, for Michael Nakazawa in a death match, and the match says it'll be fine. So looks like we're gonna get that, and he puts Kenny Omega to work on marketing for a fight for the Fallen and the other Florida show. Yes, and to jump ahead briefly, um, we later see Kenny Omega watching something, which was very hard to see. Yes, on a laptop. And not like they obscured it, like it's just literally hard to watch someone watch something on a laptop screen in a video. Something with a boat, maybe? I don't know. He had an idea about wrestling and video games, apparently. And yeah, I have no idea what I'm supposed to take away from this. Thank you. You provided like 10 times more context than the video did. Now I actually understand some of what was talked about in these situations. So there's that, at least. I had to do a lot of digging, so I... I don't know. I, <laughs> You're a braver man than me. <laughs> I don't even know if this is true, but I did a lot of digging, and two people referenced a fire festival, which apparently Ja Rule and someone else tried to put on a festival that would be on 
like a boat and they had like models who were being paid but not disclosing it, hyping it, and people paying thousands of dollars and they're gonna be gourmet meals and they're gonna go to all these islands and they ended up being like sandwiches and like a FEMA tent because something didn't go right. And I think Kenny Omega's watching that their promotional video and getting his ideas from that promotional video, even though uh, it turns out to be a complete mess in reality, what it became. So, man, yeah, you, you're onto something, I think. And that Omega seems almost like an intentionless, almost like a hapless kind of guy in yeah. those videos. Like he's just, he's very neutral and he seems very passive and he's like taken aback by a lot of things. But I mean, he doesn't come off as the straight man or anything, though. He just comes off as, like, sort of clueless. I don't yeah. know. It's, it's a weird... I don't... Like you said, I don't know what he's supposed to be about as a character. I think this is Road to Double or Nothing, but there was one line that I wrote. This is what defines Kenny, the entirety of Kenny Omega as far as I have seen him now every time. So we'll get to it, but the Young Bucks want Excalibur to be the announcer. Right. And we know Cody Rhodes wants... Who's Cody Rose want? He wants Jim fucking Ross. Yeah, so, I mean, you know that, I know that. And then this is a throwaway line. Um, I don't, I'm not sure what Kenny wants or something like that. Right? I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, and that's just it. Right. You know, so to me, that was that defined every one of them um, in that segment. So I, I don't know. And then Kenny, I, I don't know what it's supposed to be because Kenny, that, like when he got that marketing, like that was too much for him to have to go do the marketing, but then he got excited and then he has a – a brilliant idea that's a stupid idea, I guess. Apparently. I don't know. He kind of reminds me of Kramer. I'm watching Seinfeld lately, and like, I don't know what's wrong with this guy. I think he just comes out of his apartment with some. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's I wrong with you, buddy. He's as passionate as Kramer, though, because... Yeah, no, he maybe. is no Kramer. Yeah. Kramer's a superstar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Right. I want to talk about my second favorite thing on okay. this video, apart from the Cody thing. I really like... The segment between Allie and Brandy, where it's got some continuity from something that happened a few years ago back in Impact in like 2016, 17, I forget exactly. But yeah, Cody came in and Brandy was there. She was like just learning to be a wrestler. Allie's supposed to help her, but Allie was still like aligned sort of reluctantly with the, the powers that were at the time, which did not like Brandy. So she didn't end up helping her. Um, so it's like a weird continuity, but I like continuity and I really liked how they played this little scene because it was like a little uncomfortable and Brady's like, oh, I'm just giving you a hard time. Mm. But then like she walks past her and she's like giving her a glare and I'm like, yeah. there's something, you know, below the surface here. There's actually some subtext going on, which is nice to see. And I'm down with that. I think there could be something fun between these two as we go along. I don't see... In my world, Brandy just needs to be a full-on heel because I everything she does, like she came down hard on poor Mike for bringing this up as if like she she would have never thought of it, and she's already <laughs> on her mind. Yep. So I think um, this was definitely there was no um, busting chops here whatsoever. I think she's just not sure what she's going to do or when she's going to do it or how she's going to do it. Mm, but she knows she wants to throw Allie off balance and uh, yeah at least make her feel uh, unhappy um, or at least uneasy about everything that's going on. I think she did, too, without even the look, because oh, yeah. even the busting your chops, I don't think... And you know this in life. Like, someone can say something like that and then be like, no, nah, I'm just kidding, but 
there's an energy and a mood that, that speaks more to the truth of that. Oh, for sure. Than, than the if it's your boss, then you know. Oh shit! <laughs> it's like, yeah. That's so stressful for real. Yeah. That's that's a real problem. So okay, something's gonna boil over there eventually. Um, I I like that a lot. Like I said, it's my second favorite thing on the show. Wait a second though. Is this the person, or is it someone else? Who was it? Remember when Cody almost called one of the um, women wrestlers, and she's nah, like, "That was Bea Priestley." Ah, yeah, that would have been nice. Now, if if she had been fighting, because uh, to me that made no sense, you know, because either you've been calling him or you haven't. But if it had been her, that would have been nice, because then from the beginning it would have been, <laughs> "No, I, I'm handling this." Yeah, that would have been nice. We really have no payoff on the Bea Priestley thing, so I assume it's just like, oh. Look at us. We're a playful couple, even though we're yeah. powerful. So, yeah, um, I agree. That would have been better. But, oh, well. Okay, so then we got SCU. Uh, they're, they're doing their SCU, but Matt's watching it, and he doesn't hear the SCU. He hears Michael Nakazawa. Oh, is that what I was supposed to take away from this? Okay. I, just, I found that in the comments. I didn't, I didn't catch it either. That's good interpretation, I guess, because I was looking at this, and I'm like, man, did you, like, pilfer the – family guy like throwaway ideas because <laughs> that's what i'm getting from some of this stuff it's like let's yeah. just do a bit and if it's funny or not it doesn't matter if we do it long enough it will be funny to like mm. the right people so we're just going to keep doing it we're going to double down triple down quadruple down yeah i don't know it's not really my kind of thing but i guess maybe that's what they're going for yeah so that's, that's just more matt having i don't know what his deal is but he's having all these hallucinations where with Michael Nakazawa, so... Yeah, it's weird. Like, I really have no context with Michael Nakazawa, which I guess is the point that, like, nobody knows about this guy, so nobody knows why Matt is, like, interested in him. But I guess he gets paid either way, but it's weird to bring in a guy and he's just, like, a joke, I guess, before you ever even see him. So, I don't know. That's very weird to me. But here's a, here's why they need somebody who can reach the general audience when they go on TV, because... The Young Bucks are masters at what they do. Like, I, I got a feeling they could sell the shit out of a Michael Nakazawa t-shirt right now I, to their, to their you know, world. Yeah, maybe. Possibly. <laughs> but, what can, but you know, then getting bigger than this, because this is not what... If you have a live TV show on network TV, it's got to be more than you winking to the, to the base. Yeah, I mean, my... I won't say worst case scenario, but a very bad case scenario would be we watch the first episode of AEW fully loaded or whatever the hell they call their TV show. And it's like, it's this, like they come in and do, oh, Michael Nakazawa, Michael Nakazawa. And like, (laughs) they think like that wrestling fans will just like get this. And I don't think they would necessarily think that, but if they did, that would be uh, a very large red flag for me that this is not a show that we will cover. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm forgetting who said it because so many people have said so many things, but I feel like somebody keeps hinting at the TV show not being like a wrestling TV show or not being like what you're used to. It might be Kenny Omega. Somebody in the interviews has said that. Mm-hmm. So that makes me feel like there might be some kind of stuff that, like you're talking about on the shows. I've got no problem if – well, I do have a problem if there's a wrestling show with no wrestling because that, you know, we don't need yeah. that. But – um. I don't have a problem if there is a focus on, like, backstage stuff. Like, well, okay, we just talked about it a couple weeks ago. You know, Lucha Underground is a great example of mixing, like, really effective backstage stuff with matches. Like, there's a great template there. So, I don't know. If it's something along those lines, cool. I could probably get into it. If it's something like being the elite with, like, an occasional match thrown in, I, I won't be watching it. I'll just say that flatly. Yeah. 
I love I love TNA when we were covering it when they started doing a lot of backstage stuff. Sure, so. yeah, they did some good stuff. Yeah, they had like the roving camera and yeah, it, it worked. There's a formula I think that makes it work, um, and you got to hit the right balance. So here's hoping for that. Yeah, it's also who really is the creative behind this. You know, right. I don't know. Is it these guys or is it going to be someone else entirely? Because I really don't think they they have enough of the same vision for all of them to be doing it. Yeah, I, we'll say again, what they did at All In worked, and it was the same group of people doing it, so maybe it will work out, but you, it does kind of feel like you could get a very schizophrenic wrestling show if, like, you know, the Young Bucks pitch one segment, and Cody does another, and then Brandy does one, and then Omega, yeah. I don't even know what the hell he would come up with, so you get all of that in one show, and you could definitely get some whiplash, just, like, genre jumping, so I don't yeah. know, I don't know. I also think that if you're on a major network, they're going to force you to define yourself so yeah, they can define you. Yeah. So is Cody's athletic presentation the same thing as what Joey Ryan does? Is that the same <laughs> thing as what um, the Young Bucks want to do, you know, backstage? Like, I don't know how you brand something that especially when you make comments about being an athletic presentation and mock other people in the same breath. Right. But but you might be four or five other things that might all, you know, some of which might fall into some of those categories. Yeah. So I feel like they will have to define themselves when TV comes in. I don't. I I could I I could not put money on anything of what that show or their TV show might look like, or whether we will like it at all. Yeah. yeah. It's a complete mystery right now. So I'll agree with that for sure. Because man, booking this is not booking a weekly show. That's what one thing is for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we get Brandy um, doing the Culture City uh, marketing, which will be, I think, in all the arenas that they are in. So, yeah, we get we go back to C two E two, and um, here's something you might like, yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, Young Bucks are sitting with Kenny o, Kenny Omega, and they hear the voice of Marty Scurll. I like this because this is how every time they've done anything like this, it is just meant, meant the obvious, you know, which is that person is on their way. Yeah, like of course he is. I mean, we all know. Yeah, <laughs> there's no way that it's not gonna happen. So, and then we get to back to MJF. So he he is hired by Joey Ryan. He pitches. He can be Joey Ryan's protection because all the people who have been saving Joey Ryan when he gets beat down are not there. Uh, and he said, first of all, don't touch me. So even when he's <laughs> conning him, he still can't, like, fully. Uh, he gets a little bit of cash. It's not enough. He asks for more. Joey Ryan goes back into his pocket. Asks for more the third time. There's no money. Really? Okay. So then uh, MJF gives that money to a group of guys and tells them to go beat down uh, Joey Ryan. And then, where is it? Where is the line? He calls him a dollar store Tom Selleck. <laughs> it just sits there while he gets beat down. So Yeah. This Joey Ryan gets beaten up thing is another gimmick that I don't really understand yeah. at all. But I loved MJF in this whole segment, so that, that's a big saving grace. I love that uh, angle because it doesn't make any sense. But as long as he's doing that, then he's not doing anything else. <laughs> So, <laughs> uh, you want to keep him where you can see him. Not yeah. The things that, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. He's on the receiving end, and he is not the person that is influencing. So, 
I can handle that. Yeah, there's another obvious incoming signee. Cause I, did we talk about it? That he and the other, mm-hmm. the, the no. other lawsuit, Lucha Underground people, yeah, are all out of their contracts. So, yeah, we'll, we'll probably see some of them coming in. Joey Ryan, for sure. I thought quickly we would hear things, especially with, with folks complaining, you right. know. But once in a while, things take time. Yeah, I mean, it takes time no matter how much you're buddies with people to, like, get a contract and have your lawyer and everything, you know. So it's one thing to be like, I would really like to wrestle in these places if only I could. And then suddenly Mm. you can. You're like, oh, wait, I have to actually put it together, you know, and it takes a minute. So I'm sure we'll hear something. For Joey Ryan, you know, for as much as we, you and I, are not excited about him, they may be saving him for double or nothing. Um, Oh, he'll be Cody's opponent. No, I'm sorry. I Mm. put that Mm. in the air. I wish they would. That I wouldn't mind that because that would be an easy out for me. We'd be having <laughs> WWF the Legacy Series the next week. So <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. But, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes. M- uh, there's a comment section. Comment which is nice. It said MJF is the savior of being the elite because he actually speaks in an audible tone. <laughs> yes. True. And then we got the librarian stuff, which uh, they watch a bunch of librarian videos. None of them are good enough. They get a phone call from Tony Khan, who, um, and here I think they're mocking some kind of Vincent Man Michael Cole thing, according to the comments. Oh. I didn't pick up on anything, but. I didn't know that, yeah. And then uh, Kenny Omega says, hey, hey, Tony Khan artist, and then, not not to be mean, it's like he slips up, and then he goes back, no, Tony Khan, don't know this guy. There's a CM Punk reference, which is interesting. I think maybe just making fun of. All the rumors, I don't know, but CM Punk is referenced. I think Tony Khan maybe pitches him on the phone and like, no, Punk wouldn't, Punk wouldn't do this. But they need a rustler. They need more videos. So more librarian videos are coming. I have no idea what the hell this is about or how it's going to play out. Again, I don't know, but yeah, the segment went on for a long time. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> it's a very long segment, and apparently, if they don't find the perfect librarian, they'll be fired. So AEW is on the line, I guess, for this weird comedy gimmick. Uh, <laughs> it wouldn't be the worst thing, like especially if Kenny Omega was not there. If it was just a young bucks, and they ended up getting fired before the TV deal. <laughs> I'll throw Kenny been. Omega in also, just, <laughs> just like Cody Rhodes. Cody and Brandy can make a promotion. Yeah, I, I won't be mad. Okay. So their jobs are on the line. We'll see. Apparently. I've I, I've been binge watching um, Seinfeld, and again, the perfect librarian is on that show. So. Oh, I didn't know. I'm not yeah. I'm not uh, knowledgeable about Seinfeld. So. Okay. There's an old. Um, Jerry gets a um, overdue book notice from like the 1970s, and there's like this hardcore librarian who's trying to track down people who haven't turned in their library books, <laughs> and. He's a very good. He's better than everything that was on that those videos that we were <laughs> we were watching. So. How could you tell? We could barely see the videos. Yes. We could just see the young bucks and Kenny Omega laughing. That's more important, I guess, to show them laughing than it is oh. to show what you're trying to show. So, I think in a way you you hit the nail on the head. It's just almost like the people who watch it being the elite weekly is you you get to almost feel like you're with them and in their world. I guess, yeah. yeah. If that's what you're into. That's what you're into. So, okay, that is uh, being the elite. We will uh, move on to the road to double or nothing with the image of a cowboy hat, that iconic cowboy hat. 
And I was just going to ask you about that, because that was like your number one ask for this scenario. It was. Bring on Jim Ross without the cowboy hat. And man, they couldn't have had more cowboy hats <laughs> if their life depended on it. Yeah, no cowboy hat and no JR is what I'd asked for, and I did not get it. Nope. But I'm going to try to be hopeful. We'll see where it goes. Cody Rose tells us up front. Because it's a very different... One thing you get to see when you watch both of these is how different the format and storytelling is. You know, Cody Rose tells us up front on this one versus being the lead, he tells us that they're finalizing the broadcast team and that's what the show's going to be about. Mm-hmm. Um, he says you've got to put lyrics to the music and Ms. Fan and I will discuss how we feel about the um, lyrics. We will. Uh, because we got we got everyone being signed. We got maybe one of my top five favorites in AEW right now, Mike is on screen. <laughs> <laughs> and he is FaceTiming with Alicia A, who is part of All In. He says, um, they say she's been working since she was a teenager, does a lot of interviews. Um, I like her a lot in that when they ask her if she's free, she says, I am free for that weekend instead of, let me check my calendar. Mm-hmm. Like we know why, you know, I get there, but maybe there's a reality base of that that we got earlier in the series. But like, if you're on the screen and we're watching you, it means you're going to be there. We're not watching you. So you'd be like, nah, I just signed with WWE. So I'm not going to be able to make it. <laughs> so right. I like that. Mike, you know, Mike handling the showing that he's, he's capable of having a conversation and then not being awkward. Good for him. <laughs> She is the official backstage correspondent, and she says it will be an honor. Yep. yep. And uh, I don't have a strong feeling, but my, my feeling I do have is positive. Alicia has been fine every time I've seen her. Uh, I'm sure she'll do a good job. I like that uh, they gave a little context of how she was like a little bit self-made. Like she kind of has her yes. own brand. She's out there doing her own thing, not necessarily dependent in the way a backstage interviewer normally would be on, you know, just kind of being there when it was available. So yeah, good for her. Yeah. And that, that hits the spirit of what this company is supposed to be that you're out there doing it on your own. And then it also hits the, the fact that they want to support the people who supported them, which are the people who were at all in. So it checks a lot of boxes. I don't know much about her. I'm hopeful and I hope she does a good job. I don't. I still don't know if I've watched all of All In. You know, so, but, <laughs> Fair. you know, yeah, I'm happy about it. We'll see how it goes. We quickly move on to um, mock commentary. Um, I'll let you go first. How do you, how do you feel about this? Oh, uh, yeah, uh, the next guy is Alex Marvez. He's on the team. We already knew that, but just showing him in the video. Um, I don't think, to my knowledge, he has actually done wrestling commentary before, um, but they do show him doing kind of like test runs with Cody, calling like matches on a little screen, and he seemed fine to me, so he's certainly fresh. Uh, I think there's really no way to tell before you actually are in the situation, um, so hopefully he does well when he gets there. Yes. Um I want to like him as well because he seems enthusiastic about being there. Oh. I'll give him that. I did not particularly enjoy him at um, the uh, Las Vegas show. Oh. And, I, okay. and here, like, again, I think Cody um, I think Cody killed him on his own little video, but, you know, <laughs> so whatever. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going to be open-minded about everyone. It's weird because 
a lot of these people I am not signing off on because I don't know them enough. And then Jim Ross I'm not signing off on because I know him. So nobody gets a pass to me. What you do out, it'll be fun if they do well at the the shows coming up. But really, how they do weekly on TV is what will matter to me. Yeah, exactly. So there's really no way to tell. (laughs) Cody's FaceTiming with Nick, and this is a comment I mentioned. He said that they want Excalibur, and quote, I don't know what Kenny thinks. So... (laughs) Still, though, it's my favorite thing the Young Bucks have done in a while, because um, I am a fan of Excalibur. He's always a highlight when uh, I watch PWG commentary. I agree with what they said on the video, that he was the anchor of a very kind of convoluted booth at All In, where they had a lot of people coming and going, but Excalibur was kind of always there, and he was the voice that was really standing out to me, so I like him. He's a huge fan. He's very self-made. He's one of the founders of PWG uh, from scratch built it up into, you know, kind of the cult favorite it is today. Um, yeah, I, I like it. And I kind of like that there's like a masked wrestling announcer. I think that's like a quirky thing that might appeal to some. And I don't know, maybe it'll turn some people off, but for me it's a positive. So, yeah, it, probably the pick that I am – no, not probably. He's the guy I'm most excited about on this video. Cody, once again, represents the people of my my world because I was also not convinced of him when I saw him. Cody says the same thing. Whereas Cody became convinced of him when he listened to All In, I really haven't, so I'm not convinced of him any more than any of these others. I'm not opposed to him. I'm not for him. I hope he does a good job. I hope everyone here does a good job. It also means that we're, this means we're getting a three-man booth, which will be interesting. Yeah, if Jim Ross is going to be a weekly commentator. Yeah. And I saw something which cast maybe a little doubt on that. I don't remember what it was exactly, but yeah, it could be Jim Ross... For special occasions, uh, Excalibur and Marvez for the other occasions. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see what they go with. Somebody came out with a story right after Jim Ross announced that he was he was not coming to be an announcer, and Jim Ross quickly cleared that up. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So I I don't know what we're gonna see. It's weird to me if he just does special occasions because that's what he was doing in WWE. And he's criticized that, pretty much saying he left WWE because he was not given enough work and he wants to be active and he wants to be working. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, Then we go to Brandy. Brandy has chosen the ring announcer, who will be Justin Roberts. Um, Yeah, the the ring announcer, I guess, kind of only goes so far. Um, But it can be an important role. Uh, He announces random things. And I don't know how I felt about that. I also remember when he uh, was released from WWE, he was one of these guys who kind of went around and felt the need to, like, shoot on WWE some. So that didn't really endear him to me. But if he's not doing that, if he's just ring announcing, then I probably will not even notice him. So that's okay. I didn't, when he was doing announcing the orange and other things in the segment, I didn't like his delivery that much, but you know. Yeah, it didn't really appeal to me. I was like, okay, sure. Okay, whatever. Justin Roberts, again, I'll be open minded, but like that was my least favorite segment, so we'll see how that goes. Mine too, but again, I think it's the one that we will notice the least, regardless of how he does it. Uh, There was one amazing moment in it because Mike, again, does not understand context. He didn't really understand that Justin Roberts was trying to show off his skills and he's like you know do you want an orange except he announced the orange like a like an athlete in a match and he's like I only eat apples which we've seen him eat you know do do we need to do a a convince me for Mike where we kind of dig up all these Mike moments that we can find and just okay all right I'll bear that in mind 
It's good stuff. And then Cody's going to Jim, the house of Jim Ross. Who does he take? He takes his right hand man, Mike. So yeah, uh, we, true. We get um Cody Rhodes says so with pro wrestling. There's an upper echelon, an elite class, and it's no different with pro wrestling commentators. No matter whether it's Lance Russell, Gordon Soley, Gorilla Monsoon. But today, I think AEW is going to get their hands on the actual greatest of all time. Then we see uh, Cody and Mike at the house of Jim Ross. Jim Ross, surprised, doesn't know they're going to be there. <laughs> but he's in the hat. So. <laughs> <laughs> he's in the hat. Oh, Lord. Uh, Jim Ross says, uh, two years ago, my wife got killed a couple of blocks from where we're sitting right now. I suffered a lot of depression. I had to get out of the house. I love this part so much. Dusty Rose told me, when you give your jersey away, you can't play anymore. Mm. I didn't want to give my jersey away. I still think I have something to offer. Fans have always picked me up. I want to be involved in a physical, athletic competition where it's the most important thing uh, to the athletes in their lives, whether or not they win the match. So he says he wants to be a part of new ideas, new direction, new blood, new ways of looking at wrestling. So that is part of the Jim Ross pitch. And he pretty much says that the idiots online also inspired him because they don't think he can do it anymore. <laughs> so, uh, Yeah, I, I definitely popped for Cody talking about Lance Russell, uh, Gordon Soley, Gorilla Monsoon, very cool. Uh, shout outs, nice recognition of history, which is something that we've appreciated. Um, yeah, Jim Ross... Terrible story about his wife, yeah, and, you know, if this is something that helps him, then uh, more power to him. I'm happy as far as that goes. Um, he does say, yeah, the wrestling fans always pick him up. The fans are my family, which is a little contradictory yeah. to what we have heard maybe in the past from him. And also, yeah, in almost the same breath, he then calls those fans idiots if they think that he's not good anymore. So, um, yeah, yeah, okay, Jim Ross, you know, Jim Ross will Jim Ross. Um We'll see how this, he does. This might be what I meant about Jr. in the cowboy hat. Yeah. I want him to be scripted. And I don't mean like his announcing, but I mean who he portrays. Like I want the guy in the beginning of those. I want the guy in the stuff I read, not the little aside, which is the Jim Ross who's in every podcast and interview where he is just so uh, short with every. Yeah, just. <laughs> It's so unattractive. He's like, a I'm very not grouchy person, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to sit there and be insulted by someone. I will turn you off, and you're being paid way too much money to have me turn you off when you're representing a company. Right, so. yeah. Here's another thing. This sort of just occurred to me, but Cody, um, and, you know, this may just be for the camera, but the way he talks about Jim Ross is, like, almost worshipful. Yeah. And you're, you're this guy's boss, you know, but just with this attitude, no one's going to dictate to JR, I think, uh, in this environment that they're creating. So I don't know. Like, maybe that won't actually be a problem, but it does occur to me. So I don't know. Yeah, I wonder how much of that, you know, is different with different, wearing different hats. And I wonder, again, I don't know who who is the person making the calls. Right. Yeah, you know, because... Yeah, I I just don't know because everybody's an executive producer. That would be that's half the company right now. So I the, don't know what that title's worth. Yeah, the biggest danger to me is not having someone where the buck stops here. You know, um, you have to. Yeah, I, I think you do. That's what everyone who has ever talked about anything in wrestling has said. Like comparing WCW to WWE, all the stuff is like, well, 
you know, the WWE, kind of the main reason they won is, like, for better or worse, Vince, like, made the call, always, you know, and no one was there to overrule him, or WCW is, like, too many cooks, and uh, everyone has their own ideas, and it's sort of Bischoff, but not, and yeah, so, I don't know, it's one of the biggest dangers to the company, I think, that, yeah, we have these people, and it's great if they're all aligned, but we've already seen they're probably not always going to be aligned, so we'll see. They can't be that stupid, though. Tony Khan was a wrestling fan on the level that I was a wrestling fan. Like, he knows everything that's happened, mm. and it's their money. Like, I would think they've got to know better. I would hope, you know. There's a danger, too, with being a wrestling fan, because the same with Cody being, like, a JR fan, you know. You're going to go to these people who you're fans of and be like, well, you need to do it a different way. And, you know, what do you do when this person you're a fan of is, like, pissed at you it's a weird scenario, potentially. So, yeah, I hope it won't be a problem. But, I don't know. It could be. It, it, it's a red flag, possibly, for me. Well, maybe we'll get to Tony Khan, who um, threatened to fire the Young Bucks and uh, <laughs> Kenny Omega over the librarian. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, do, I think you need somebody, though, who's going to have a bit of an authoritarian side to them. Yeah, for sure. It's really dangerous now because, you know, so these people, they're all like making up these pieces of the puzzle. And I'm just thinking, like, if you did lose any of these people for any reason, it would be like a real blow to the whole thing. Even if they weren't good, just like perceptually, it would be Mm -hmm. such a blow to lose any one of these people. And they built up so many people. Like you said, everyone's like an executive VP. Mm. So I don't know. You really... Uh, they're betting on themselves. That's kind of their whole deal. But, yeah, it's dangerous, too. It is, man. I do think for Cody, I, I will give him this. I think he cares deeply about the executive role and being a producer. And I don't think – I think if it came down to it, and I could be wrong, I don't think he would compromise what he saw the vision to be because of fandom for someone or or something like that. I hope not. I mean, we're just speculating, but yeah, I would hope not as well, but it's so hard to say, you know. I do like that line, though. Why are you so set on Jim Ross? Because he's Jim fucking Ross. <laughs> yeah, regardless of whether I feel the same way, you've got to admire the conviction and just kind of the flat, plain, spoken statement there. <laughs> because he's good old JR. <laughs> Uh, so the announcers are in place. That will be interesting. You know, I, it kind of makes me happy that I'm not going to Las Vegas because I want to hear how the show gets called now, and I want to see. It's not going to take me long to figure out. I'm not going to say perfection because they got to grow together, but potential. Like, I'm either going to say this is something I can listen to and want to listen to, or it's not. Right. You know, so that will be that's that by itself will be interesting for double or nothing. Double or nothing will tell us a lot, you know. For yeah. all that All In was, this is the first actual production of AEW, so it will uh, be an eye-opening experience. And what what things will look like when our eyes are opened, that that we don't know. So we'll talk quickly about this. You and I, um, I pitched an idea. Because I, I was watching Ronda Rousey taking a lot of heat these days, but Ronda, Ronda Rousey is also being um, supported, advised by one Paul Heyman, who advised CM Punk, who advised Brock Lesnar. And so if you could be a Heyman guy, if you could be Heyman, the advisor, the influencer, the person in the ear, 
who is a talent on the roster of AEW that you care enough about or you see enough direction for that you would want to get in there and advise them, influence the company, have them excel? Like, what talent would you go to? I use the example. I think we've made it clear that we would pitch Pentagon. Hey, maybe don't have him be Doink the Clown, have him be more his own version of Steve Austin. Like, we have a clear vision of who we would want him to be, how we would pitch that, how we would fight for that, how we would advise for that. So we took Pentagon off the table. And is there anyone else? Like, who are you looking at? Who comes to mind? Um, if you were to put on your Paul Heyman hat. Um, I I struggled a little with this question, uh, especially with Pentagon being off the table, because, yeah, he is the obvious guy. I was looking for people who I feel have both that level of potential to be, like, really big stars, but also, like, show me signs that maybe they're not going to go that way for one reason or another. Um, and it's tough, because the people I like in AEW are already doing really well, like... I would never pick Aja Kong because Aja Kong is like who she is and she would destroy me with her aura and I would have nothing to tell her, you know? Um, and I don't want to pick somebody that I just don't like and don't see potential in. Cause what's the point of me advising you to be like a D minus if you're an F. Um, so, uh, I ended up going with, uh, Ace Romero okay. because I think, uh, we both kind of had the impression Alpha convinced me that there is a lot of potential in this guy but there are also places where, I don't know, maybe it could go wrong or maybe it could be not as much as it is. Um, if I were Paul Hamoning Ace Romero, I would try to be telling him to, you know, uh, protect the brand that you are, really try to present that in a way that's going to be meaningful every time. Um, you can do all these things, but you don't have to do them in every match. You need to uh, not be overselling for guys who you don't need to be selling for. You need to be... Uh, Somebody who's going to be a force, someone who comes out and people are going to say, oh, crap, Ace Romero's here. Not, oh, Ace Romero, maybe he'll do a dive or, you know, something. Like, what a novelty act. A fat guy who can do, no, be like a guy who, like, oh, shit, this guy is here. Uh, that is what I would try to convey to Ace Romero. And my backup possibility was Scorpio Sky, because I would probably try to gradually split him off of SCU Bring in uh, the manager that he had in uh, Wrestle Circus, Kevin Condren, try to make him into his own thing, whereas right now he's uh, a very much a third wheel to an admittedly popular act, and I, I enjoy SCU, but I think he could potentially do more in the right scenario. So those are my two answers. That's what I came up with. I love that, man. That's, that is eye-opening in a way because... Like, I didn't really know where you were going to go with either of them, but they both make a lot of sense. And I think especially Romero is how easily to fall into the gap of just being another guy in the company. Like, he's a different size person who can do all the same things. Mm -hmm. yeah. But what else can he do? You know, what else can he be? There are some things he could be that nobody else can be. So also, why would you not highlight the things you can be that nobody else can be? Yeah, you got a guy like this, and he could be like – a Bundy type main eventing against Hogan as a huge threat. He could be a Vader type, just destroying people. Uh, you know, just proportionally for how much bigger he is, he could be an Andre type, you know, where he's like, wow, you know, just, uh, he could be a lot of things or he could be, yeah, like Mabel, you know? So <laughs> there's a lot of things that you could be when you're a guy like Ace Romero. And, uh, I would want him to be one of the really good things that he could do. So, Okay, yeah. 
And I wish, I wish Scorpio Sky was a little younger, but I think uh, it still holds true. He feels young. Uh, like yeah. The perception is enough almost that you can kind of just go with that anyway. <laughs> I think it would also be good for the legacy of um, Daniels and Kazarian if another thing they did at this point was then to help get him over apart from them. Exactly. I hope that's the long-term goal anyway, but I think you can start maybe even now, or maybe not now, but soon, you can start moving that way because, yeah, I think he'll have more gas in the tank than they do. Although Christopher Daniels may just be an ageless, immortal person because, like, unbelievable what he can do. So uh, there's that. I struggled deeply with this. I could. It's partly good and it's partly bad. It's partly bad because there are not a lot of people on the on the show that I would care that much to try to influence. <laughs> and it's partly good because the ones that I would, a lot of times, are being booked so well that I wouldn't have to. Exactly. It's the Asia, the Aja Kong paradox. Yeah, Aja Kong. MJF came to mind. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's another one. Like, what can I tell MJF? Like, he yeah. knows everything better than me, obviously. And you know, any wrestler might know better than me, sure, but. There's definitely nothing I can tell MJF, you know, that he's not already doing. Keep keep doing what you're doing, bud. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, I can just be a, a supportive voice. So there's nothing. And really, I didn't do this one, but I think ultimately it, I would just try I would want to be Mike, and I would just want to have Cody Rhodes' ear and just every single fucking day just say, no, you're right, the rest of them are wrong. You need to really break away from their vision. <laughs> Yep, you're right, they're wrong, break away from that vision. You're right, they're wrong, break away from their vision. I was just thinking about that. You, you get in Cody's ear and tell him to, to, yeah, take his vision forward and maybe put everyone else in the back seat if you yeah. possibly could. So Come in as like a psychic, spiritual guy. Like, oh, yeah, Dusty talked to me again last night. He said, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, <laughs> you don't want to be Mike, you want to be Brandy. Yeah. yeah that's what it is. <laughs> Right, for the sake of pro wrestling. Hey. Uh, you know, this never occurred to me, but do you ever get the sense that Brandy is, like, kind of just tolerating these other, like, elite people? Like, I don't know. She seems like she's in such a different world, and Cody is, like, three-fourths of the way over to her, but he's still kind of mm. in with the boys to a certain extent. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, Brandy just seems so much more professional than everyone else going on. So, I don't know. I've never understood because I, I didn't watch this, so when I found out Cody was with these guys, it didn't really make sense to me. Right. And having watched it more now, it still doesn't really make sense. Well, that was the point, and maybe that's why it kind of got over so well, because a big mm. part of him being in the Bullet Club was the Bullet Club, like, splitting apart, and, like, he was opposed yeah. to Kenny Omega. There's the whole Bullet Club is fine angle where he kind of, like, quietly took over and was like, oh, everything's the same, but he was, like, making all these, like, corporate changes and bringing in different people and the Young Bucks are, like, in the middle. And, yeah, I don't know. It was, like, actually pretty well put together. Uh, and that's for me, a guy who doesn't really like the Bucks or Omega that much. But, like, it was really – it was pretty well done. You know, it was very popular with people. So now that they are all friends, I agree. It's almost, like, a little weirder. But maybe it makes more sense if they kind of went through this all together and ended up coming together in a way that worked for them. Yeah, I critique all day long how everyone has to be in their little echo chambers and then turn around and critique these guys for being close but not the same. So, <laughs> true, yeah, very true. In some ways, I'm proud of them. In other ways, I have a right to be worried because now it's not about their friendships. It's about whether or not we invest in a company where we have no fucking clue who's saying what when. So it's it's a, compli- it's a complicated mix. Um, it's true. It's, uh, it's we dangerous, will- yeah, because you have a bunch of guys whose main thing they have in common is that they kind of, like, made themselves, but they all made yeah. themselves into something different. So you've got so many strong voices in the room. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. 
Oh man, too. And for me, it's it's a double edged sword because in this day and age, there's nothing I respect more than someone who goes out and makes it themselves and makes themselves. But then yeah. you're not making yourself anymore. You're making a company with a bunch of other people, right. and that's a completely different game. It might even be that someone who's strong at making themselves might not be strong at making the other. So, right. you know, and they really don't know. They don't know any better than we do because it's not like they test ran a company for years to see how it would go, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very so. true. The world of wrestling is full of people who had good ideas for themselves, who could not convey good ideas to others. So uh, we'll have to see if Ooh. these are those kind of people or not. I think that's why it hurts me when I see people like Scott Hall in their videos because I'm like... Ooh, I see a little bit of overlap here, and I'm a little bit afraid of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, I'm going to say one or two more lines on the whole Heyman thing, but I'll do it the transition. So tell us who we have this week for Convince Me. Convince Me this week, uh, if anybody didn't know, is Pac, a guy that we've talked about a lot already, mostly in relation to uh, his feud with Hangman Page and his promo at the AW Rally. Uh, I gave you a couple of different options that you could watch here. I'm not sure which ones you ended up uh, being able to go with, but uh, I'm very curious to hear what you have to say. So segue away, my friend. Okay, I ended up seeing Bailey and Star. So okay, yeah, those are uh. probably yeah the top two that I wanted. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, um, those matches are Pac versus Speedball Mike Bailey. From November 22nd last year in RevPro, which uh, you can find on Daily Motion if you know kind of where to go. Um, also, David Starr versus Pack from uh, January 5th, Defiant Wrestling uh, this year. Um, both matches that I highly recommend, so if you can't seek them out, please do. But yeah, I want to let you go, so go ahead. I think uh, if I were be so, to be so fortunate in this world to have anyone's ear, it would be the ear of Cody Rhodes. But I mean, come on, who wouldn't right now? If it had to be a rustler and it could not be a Pentagon, maybe right now it would be Pac. And what I would simply tell Pac again and again and again is that you are the bastard. You are the only thing in this company that's real. You're the only thing that's genuine. You are the only thing that's authentic. Everything else is bullshit. Everything else is insulting to wrestling, to the world, to you, and you need to destroy it. You see all these people and their elitism. You need to hate it, and you need to destroy it. And when you're done, you see all these people with their spot fest and their ridiculous approaches to wrestling. You need to destroy it. And when we're done with that, whatever's left standing, I'll find a reason for that, and you need to destroy it. So. I like it. Going into these videos, Pac is a returning hero slash vagabond. He's left WWE. He is making his return in all his hilldom and all his horribleness. <laughs> and I will ask, um, did you also able to watch that little bit of promo that I put I at did. the end? Yeah, that almost frames this very well because uh, that's his first appearance back in Dragon Gate is what we're talking about. And uh, he shows up in the ring as a surprise, like the lights go out and comes back up. He knocks some guys out of the ring. He says a few words. And uh, the one that stuck out to me is, I may resemble a boy you once knew, uh, but I'm yes. not. Yeah. And that, that I thought encapsulated very well. Um, yeah. What I really want this bastard character to be. Who in the world hasn't had that kind of fantasy at some point in their life? Of reinventing themselves. Mm -hmm. Of something going wrong. It could be as simple as, like, third, man, third grade sucked. 
but I show up in fourth grade and I, I come up to these folks who maybe made third grade suck and I'm like, hey, remember me? I had an interesting summer. This is a man who had an interesting summer. He went away and he became the very thing that could come back and say, hey, I'm not the boy I used to be. And a lot of times you think that's only a fantasy. And if you actually put in the work to better yourself and then you do, you don't need to be petty. You don't need revenge. You don't need to be ugly. The reward is itself. You made yourself better. Not 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 so for Pac. Pac is out to hurt people, and Pac is out to make a name for himself. And he just comes off. I love that in one of the videos they make a reference to this man gave up the warm weather of Florida to return to the cold weather. And he looks like he could only exist in cold weather. (laughs) He looks like he just sprung forth out of like a snowstorm. This is not a pleasant man. In a world where we talked about everyone has to be equal in the ring, a lot of these guys are best friends. It's an NBA thing that happens now where they're not as competitive because they're all best friends off the court. They vacate their families vacation together. And I always liked the loner who's like, yeah, I could also be a part of that, but I just don't like you guys. I'm competing with you guys. I'm better than you guys. And that's what Pac strikes me as. So... I have some praise for the matches. I have some things that were not my favorite things for the matches. But the narrative of Pac and the presentation of Pac and the potential of Pac, to me, are all right where they need to be. (laughs) I'm very glad to hear that because I know you were nervous about this convinced me. Um, I know how much you wanted to like Pac. And I'm glad that uh, it sounds like for the most part he came across well. Uh, So tell me some good things. Tell me some... uh, Things that you would like to see different, um, I'm, I'm into it. Okay, I will have to find these in those, but I found myself liking Pac versus Star better than Pac versus Speedball Mike Bailey. I might have guessed. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I would encourage Pac, now that you say it, maybe the same way that you would encourage uh, Ace Romero, and I would say there's some amazing things you can do, and I'm not going to tell you not to do them, but you are also a lot of things beyond that. Mm. And that Speedball Mike Bailey might wrestle a certain way because he's Speedball Mike Bailey, and he does not necessarily have any other choices. <laughs> but you are fucking Pac. You are a cruiserweight and you are a bloody heavyweight. And do not ever forget that you are also a heavyweight, sir. So that's what I would remind Pac, because this guy, man. I think I like the other match, partly because it was less intriguing in a way, I'm sure. It was slow. They took their time. They taunted each other. They got into it in different ways. And I just see Pac as a guy that no matter what he can do in the ring, he should always be slowing down the match. He should always be dictating the pace. It should never be up to his opponent how the match is going to go. Anytime it's up to his opponent, that means he's losing the match. Because this is this man's a thinker, and he's a doer, and he's nasty, and he's always got a plan. So I would just, I think just pace alone, I just really liked uh the second match, and there's just a lot on the line. They sold me. This is what happened with Romero and uh, 
Malonis. Yeah, they, they sold me on that story that Star is this guy who has just come up, and maybe he's taking a lot of beatings, he's not getting his title shot, but he's won over the crowd. But lo and behold, not that night. Not that night, because they're cheering Pac. Mm. And he's a little thrown off by that. And they get dirty, and they get ugly with their taunts with each other. And there's a lot on the line, and I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen because it's a homecoming for one, but we're building the other one up to get a title shot. And we see the, we see some ugliness in both behaviors. So that one did a lot for me. Um, I can't find really what I didn't what I did not like about the speedball match, but there were times that I was like, ah, come on, stop it. <laughs> so sure. Cool. No, good. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty in line, I think, with what I was saying. I, I think I probably like the speedball match a little bit more. But uh, still, yeah, what appeals to me about Pac is definitely he's physically capable of being one of these, like, go-go, the whole match wrestlers, yeah. if he wanted to be. You know, he could be a Will Ospreay. He could be a Young Buck. He could be one of these types. Um, but uh, but he doesn't, you know. Uh, he can, but he doesn't. A lot of the times he is slowing the match down. He's injecting it with an aspect of character, of story, that I think uh, really puts him on a higher level. Uh, and I love how you contextualize the whole, you know, bastard character, because I think it's very in line with uh, with how it should be viewed and how I think it's coming across for the most part. Um, so, yeah, I see a load of potential in Pac, and uh, I'm glad that he's doing as well as he's doing. I think, yeah, he could be a show stealer at uh, Double or Nothing. I do think for me, part of the time, Speedball is another guy that... A lot of his movement was like, oh, man, he's doing a lot of motion. But then the actual contact did not look that effective. Right. And then I got, man, um, somewhere in the match, Pac just goes kind of Vader and takes him out on the floor and starts dumping on his head, his neck. It yep. gets really nasty with him. I'm okay with that Pac. Pac kind of looks like, in a way, a more ripped version of Bobby Roode as the enforcer of Team Canada. They yeah. just kind of this wild man look that... I don't know exactly what to do with. Like, I would be very uncomfortable around Pac, and I think that's sure. a good thing. You know, I, I, you know, good for good for all of us that you can be pretty much any shape, size, look, appearance, and be a pro wrestler now. But to have someone once in a while that I'm like, I'm not gonna. If I was in the front row, I wouldn't taunt him. Wouldn't have. I wouldn't say a damn thing to him. <laughs> you know, he, he he wins, and man, he's just. And good for good for Star Star, Star matches him taunt for taunt, and they, and they both they both seem legitimately legitimately angry. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my god, these guys are really trying to one up each other, and that's a nice feeling to have when you watch a wrestling match. It is. So I like I, that. I would love if they signed David Star. I think David Star would be one of their best signings that they could possibly do. So. He's not committed anywhere that I know of, so that that would be a great idea, AEW, uh, in my opinion. I think he could bring a lot. His, to me, too, he's a little bit heavier, I think, and mm. what he does is the opposite of a lot of these guys in that he can, he can run around, do all that stuff, but his land, like he's landing like hard clotheslines, hard elbows. Yeah. So, and still landing, I think, partly that bothers. It's part of this is like a psychology. Part of it is the fact that you do all this impressive shit, but the only part you don't really pay attention to is the actual like contact that you're making. And, <laughs> and this this guy's making contact. These guys are trading trading blows. Yeah, you um, won't really see David Starr do an extra flip for anything. He's he's gonna be out to hurt you, which is great. Yeah, that's good stuff. I think these two matched up well. I think the company was smart to put them in this moment. And this is something I would advise AEW or any other wrestling company. 
and maybe this will come with the top 10 and all of that, but if you want me to watch week to week, make me think that everybody has something on the line and that every week somebody's going to win something and somebody's going to lose something, and I don't know who the hell's going to win and lose because it seems like for the loser, they're going to lose too much. Mm. And it didn't turn out this way for Star because I think he gets a title shot out of it. But during the match, I was thinking Pac has to win this thing, but David Starr can't really lose this match. But somebody's got to win and somebody's got to lose. And that is really supposed to be what it's about. And that's why they feud and that's why they hate each other. Not because there's another pay-per-view coming so we're going to put two people in a program together. It's that if I have to have these wins and you also want these wins and that's going to make me have losses, then we got a fucking problem. And we're not going to get along and something's going to happen. And that's why I felt in that second match. I like what they conveyed. And I'm hopeful that Pac will continue to bring that. This is kind of what I said at the beginning. I think he can make a better man out of um, our elite friend, uh, <laughs> Hangman Page. And we'll see. We'll see. I hope so, yeah. There's a lot you can do with Pac. Um, I just hope they make the most of him because I think he's probably one of the hottest people coming in. Um, yeah, a lot of appreciation for Pac. He strikes me as someone that you're either going to make the most of him or he's going to take his talent somewhere else. Yeah, he could easily do so. There's a lot of demand for him. So we'll see. Um, yeah, folks need to keep an eye on Pac. If they book him right, he's so different, too, than a lot of the AEW talent that he's going to be that guy that is going to be unfortunate for you when when he finds you because everyone else might be off. Let's shake hands before we wrestle. Let's see who's a better man. Who puts on the better show? And, oh, fuck. I got left with Pac. He, 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 he won't do this. He won't play along. That's what he says. Like, he says that this whole elite stuff, they, they make him sick. You know? And I think a lot of things make him sick. And, you know, imagine waking up tomorrow morning, Ms. Fan, and finding out that you make Pac sick, and that's on his radar, and he wants to do something about it. God, that's frightening. Yeah. Uh, yeah. God bless the man who will never take a bow when the match is over, win or yeah. lose, really, you know. And he's never gonna raise his opponent's hand, and he's never gonna do any of these things. God bless a man like that. We need more men like that and women like that yeah, in wrestling. Yes. Yeah. I, I agree. Because I look, Chris, to me, Chris, some of Chris Jericho's promos have been some of the best stuff in AEW so far. And I know this won't happen, but because of all the different gimmicks and styles and lives he's lived, you know. If he and Kenny Omega bowed at the end of the match, which they won't, it would be like it wouldn't be earth shattering to me. It it would be promotion shattering. It would be promotion yeah. shattering. <laughs> Absolutely like, agree. I want to. I want people though who I believe their gimmicks, and I believe like that that he they just wouldn't do it because, again, especially right now this. We talk about all the things that will get us not to watch AEW. Man, if they really want me to watch, if they want to keep my fandom forever, you got championship belts that nobody on earth has ever held. Legacies that haven't been made. History that has not been determined. How seldom is that a reality? Yeah. And if you can make these wrestlers care about that the way I care about that, We'd have no problems from here till a long time to come. Because that's all I really want to see at the end of the day is that we're all 
after the same thing. And guess what? Only one person or two people can have it. That by itself creates all the tension that you need if, if that stuff really means what it's supposed to mean. You know, the days that in a big man's world where Hulk Hogan is the only world champion, even as a child looking at it, yeah, I knew like Randy Savage can't always be Hulk Hogan's friend because Randy Savage is a man who wants things and those things would include the world title. I want to feel like that again. You know, every someone should really do a review of how feuds come and go. Like, what are the reasons that we're given? Because it's this whole idea of again trusting. Oh, fans all know it's a work anyway. You know, and it really is. A lot of times, I'm the first person in the ring because I won the pay per view match last night. And then whoever's music hits next, that's who I'm in the program with. <laughs> there are better reasons. Yeah. And you're making those belts and you're bragging about what they're going to look like. And that's all well and good. Like what championship belts look like captivated me, especially as a child. Like, But let's get past that too. Let's, what's it going to mean? What does it mean yeah. to be the first ever AEW champion? What, what does that mean? How do you win it? What does it take to win it? What does it take to hold it? That's another thing. When you've never had belts, you've never determined what it takes to remain a champion. That is different from company to company, from era to era. All of that's on the table. And Pac makes me feel like he would get that. And you want me to be happy, let me wake up to a roster that I feel like would get that. And then we're in business. Uh, some years back, more towards the start of the decade, uh, fans were really excited about what they wanted to call the reality era. Um, and it was all about, uh, oh, it's going to be more real, and there's going to be like a second layer of KFA where the backstage stuff, like uh, that's what drives the, the story, like the behind-the-scenes stuff, and you, you just got to know about it. And, and, you know, sure, sometimes... That can be very effective, I guess, if you walk the line just right. But I never really liked the idea of a reality area because I don't want reality in my wrestling. What I want in wrestling is authenticity. Uh, and that's a completely different thing in my mind. Um, Game of Thrones is coming back and everyone's very excited. And I got news for you. Game of Thrones is not a realistic show. It's mm. a complete fantasy. Yet, people love it because it has authenticity. It has characters who they're not just going to do whatever's in the script, because it's in the script, no, they're going to do things that fit with their character, and there are things that they would never do, or if they did do, it would be a big deal. These things matter because there's an authenticity to the character, to the story, that matters. Those are the kinds of wrestlers that I want to see. That That is someone like what Jericho is doing right now. That is what Pac is doing right now. That is what MGF is doing right now. That is what I hope Cody is influencing right now in the world. I don't want to know about the reality of these wrestlers. I want to know what makes them authentic, what makes them the characters that they are. What will they do? What will they not do? What will they refuse to do? What would be hard for them to do? What would make a situation different if they were involved? Mm. Do not interchange these people. Do not tell me, oh, well, this is who they are in real life, and that should inform who they are as a character. I have no interest in any of that. 
Give me authenticity over reality, and I will stick with AEW for a long, long time. Yeah, that is well said. I think, listening to you, um, here's how you can say it succinctly that I wish people would listen. And again, if you don't book your company like it's fake, then everything that you give us is real. It's not behind it's not real because it's who they really are, it's because it's outside of the wrestling. Whatever you give us is real. Because we are watching it for the story that you give us. Like these folks are the ones who are, talk about breaking fourth wall and then they act like oh it's so complicated booking today. It's not complicated. You're right, like Game of Thrones. Folks know that's also scripted. Then I never hear like writers of TV and drama of comedy saying, "Oh, it's so fucking hard because with the internet, uh, people know that the office is scripted." Yeah. Fuck off. That's a weak, weak ass excuse. There's such a big difference, and I hate that. Yeah, I hate all that stuff. There's a difference between knowing the office is scripted and watching. Um, Scott Carell, like, bring out the script and, like, well, you can't say that because that's what the, look yeah. what it says here. Look what's written down, you know? Or, but what, yeah. That's a wrestling choice, though. Not, they, they act like it's, it's a fan choice because of what we know. That is, that is a, a post Vince Russo move that you either make or you don't make. Yeah. And you don't have to make it. That's the simplicity of it. And the reason I like MJF so much, he goes around the locker room mocking everybody and then, that's what we're supposed to look at. Like, oh, look at this dick. He's, like, mocking all the boys, all these colleagues, everybody around him. But nobody ever looks past that, that he is out there living his gimmick, making people mad, being a competitor. And these these hosts of people that he insults in the locker room, they're all just always – watch every segment. They're sitting three or four together bullshitting about nothing. That's all that they're ever doing when you see them. Like, are you guys ever thinking about your character? Are you ever thinking about competition? Or are you all just best friends sitting backstage bullshitting and you hate MJF because he won't sit back there and bullshit with you? He's not being paid to bullshit with you. He's actually your competitor and he's like a million miles ahead of you because he's not playing that game that you're all playing together. Yeah. Uh, I just uh, I want the wrestling that that is for me. There needs to be more of it. I hope AEW brings it to me. Cody Rose will bring it if he is allowed. I do believe. I, I hope so. Next week I will be doing a, a, a I think I've read his first. It'll be a second Cody Rose tribute. I found I found an interview that he did on WWE.com in 2013, yeah. and it is so fucking special. <laughs> And I'm just going to talk about that because if that man's vision ever comes out in the world, I will be shocked if it's not one of the most beautiful things we've ever seen. Yeah, no, I, I'm very hopeful um, and also very afraid. So, yeah. so we'll see. <laughs> okay, attentions are getting closer. I need double or nothing, man. It's another what we got about. We got all of April and we got most of May still. But I need them to put something forward so we can see if they're at least going in what we would hope would be the right direction. Yeah, at this point, we built it up so much that, yeah, it's it's either got to be or it's not. So we'll find out. Yeah. 
So, um, I think that about does it. Anything else AEW-wise? That's all that I can possibly think of. Uh, I'm sure we'll have a lot more next week. We're getting close to Don, as they said, on uh, Being the Elite. So, yeah, very soon. When When is it? May something? 20, May. I want to say 25th-ish. Okay, all right. So, yeah, we're getting real close. I'm guessing it's on a... Let's see what we Saturday, got. Saturday, if it's the 25th. Okay, so it's around there. It's around that weekend. Yep, Labor Memorial Day weekend, yeah. whichever one. I can never remember. So we'll see. We'll see. I'd rather see sooner than later, but you gotta wait. You gotta wait till the show comes. Can't for just... sure. For sure. Now we're going to move um, to another show we've been covering. It is MLW Fusion, the Legacy Series. And one thing that I thought, and maybe I'm wrong, it's just a thought. I don't even know if I had it yesterday or today or while I was asleep. Who knows? I was like, one thing about MLW, it has this old school feel, and it's always pretty damn good. It's like, it's always, it's always all right. But there are not a lot of segments or matches that really break through. Mm. Like every single week, I started watching it a lot of times the same day, like later today, later the day that we record. Right. And I'm always looking forward to it. I always enjoy it when I watch it. And by the time we record, I forgot what happened on it. <laughs> so I don't know if you feel any of that or maybe not, but I, I see a very consistent show of a certain um, value, but I'm not seeing a lot of matches or segments. That I'm like, okay, that's historic. That's going to go down in the vaults of MLW. And that, I remember, that stand out. You know, so... I no, I have to that. say I agree. Um, MLW uh, is quite enjoyable, yet uh, maybe kind of insubstantial, at least so far, in that we have been watching. Um, so, yeah, there's nothing wrong with having a wrestling program like that, but it could be more, I think. Um you know, and you and I are spoiled, and we always talk about it, but the likes of Lucha Underground have kind of given us a different standard, maybe, for a show like this. But uh, but we get what we get, and like you said, it's always fun to watch, so I'm not complaining about that aspect. No, I'm not either. I just wonder what causes that. So when you watch Lucha Underground for the first time, when do you go from, I like the show, or this is a really good show, to, okay, that character matters, or that's a moment that, you know... That's going to stand the test of time. Like, what what produces a stand the test of time moment for a company? Uh, well, with Lucha Underground specifically, there's such a richness of texture and mm. meaning in the show. Like, from show one, you could say, oh, well, look, they're trying to do something that's very different. And uh, it's not just – it's really away from the standard – tropes uh and mlw is not you know they're not really trying to do anything different um they're just booking uh a lot of talent a lot of talent you might know and they're putting them together and they're producing it pretty well and they're taking time to do some character stuff some some story elements but there's not like a unified feeling of the show really it's like a little bit throwback and a little bit just like modern indie on tv um, and you got Tony Shivani in there and that's like something, but I don't know what exactly, like, I don't know if that really contextualizes it or not. Um, so I think there's just a lot less intention in MLW. Like, I don't know exactly what they're trying to get across, except like, here's a wrestling show that you might like. And you're right. I might like it, but it's not like 
something I'm going to remember forever at Lucha Underground. You know, they came out and like, this is going to be a journey. These are going to be characters that are going to like worm their way into your soul. There's no real even attempt, I think, to do that with MLW. So uh, I guess that doesn't sound like it kind of sounds like I'm slamming on them, but they're just they're just doing a different kind of thing, I guess. I, I, I agree. I think if anybody is to to blame, and he's not that bad, but Shane Strickland might be the biggest. <laughs> he's really not helping. And it also doesn't help that sometimes I feel like I'm watching Sunday Night Heat, uh, yeah. you know. Um, they, they always give the impression that they're like these other more important shows, and they don't really talk about them. But it's like, oh, yeah, you know. Here's our top ten from people you like. You haven't seen half these people. They must be important in the company, so you're definitely not getting the whole story. So yeah, there's some aspect of that too. Because I agree with you, that I don't think they're in, trying to intentionally do a lot of things that we're saying. But if, if we were watching this show from anyone's lens, it would be Shane Strickland as world champion. You know, I suppose. Yeah, that's not a great lens, I think, to go by. Yeah, that's uh, so. That is the only one that I maybe see. I think, too, we're lacking suspense in wrestling. And maybe fans, they, people think fans can't handle it. I don't know what it is, but it's the reason that I, I'm almost more excited about Cody Rhodes versus the mystery opponent than anything else on the show mm. because it's building suspense. Sure. And I just look at the very basic definition of suspense. A state or feeling of excited or anxious uncertainty about what may happen. Mm. You have to hold me in a certain place of unknowing for a certain amount of time for any of this to happen. Right. And we just don't do that. MLW, like, even when Pentagon was the number one contender for, like, five episodes, they, they weren't building a story around it. Right. And then the only time they started doing it was to take it away from him, and then they gave it back to him, and he lost it the next week. <laughs> There's no suspense in that. Right, yeah. I think there is kind of a lack of urgency around a lot of this mm-hmm. stuff. And even we complimented them for having a top ten, but then the top ten, it seemed to matter so little that I made my own. And I don't know if that made yeah. it better or not, but it's been more fun because now at least I'm like, look at these matches, and I'm like, oh, if someone wins or loses, even if MLW doesn't care, it's going to affect my top ten. So, like, I'm kind of doing the work for them a little bit. <laughs> I legit look forward to yours because of the fact that I feel like it, it really matters. It means something, which means, in contrast, they don't have their finger on the pulse of what's going on in their company when they give me that. Yeah. So that's a, that's a problem. And I think about – I need to make a top ten one day of, like, storylines or angles or whatever it is that just are the best for me as a wrestling fan because I think that it would be hard to imagine Pentagon and Vampiro would not be in it for me. Oh, Sure. Absolutely. You know, and you, you want to think about the suspense and how long things were held out and uncertain and tense and what the fuck is going to happen, and then that payoff. Mm. Man, maybe that's why you don't give suspense, because suspense should also come with a payoff to match, and maybe that's not easy, but when you hold someone in a place of feeling excited or anxious, uncertainty about what may happen, and then you deliver beyond the imagination on what will happen that's when something has the potential to live forever. Yeah. Pentagon did it. ML, um, Lucha Underground did it. ML Fusion so far, narrowing in on 10 episodes is episode 9. Good show so far, but they certainly have not done that, and we also wonder if maybe that's not even a goal. So. Yeah, I don't know. It's a strange uh, little promotion, honestly. So I like a lot of things about them. 
But, yeah, I feel like they're leaving a lot on the table, potentially, too. Um, oh, we'll get into that. But now it's time for the real top ten. Going into, what is this, week nine, I believe? Yeah. All right, so top ten. Um, bumping off the list is ACH, who went from number mm. seven to not being on the list at all. He lost to Phoenix. That was the final straw for him. He's previously lost to Tom Lawler and to Austin Aries. This is too many losses piling up. ACH, you are not in the top ten anymore. Number ten, Trey Miguel. Number nine, Jimmy Havoc. Number eight, Mike Perro. Number seven, debuting on the list for the first time and replacing ACH is the man who defeated him, Phoenix. He does have two losses to Pentagon Jr., but he may be rebounding from that. ACH is not an insignificant name in MLW, so he has jumped up to number seven. Number six, we have Barrington Hughes, who still holds the record quick victory in MLW and has not been given a chance since week one to uh, make any kind of impact besides being the uh, tugboat to Shane Strickland's Hulk Hogan, Mm -hmm. which is sad. He deserves better. Number five, we have MJF. Number four, we have Sammy Callahan. Number three, we have Jake Hager. Number two, Austin Aries. And number one, far, far away number one, we have Tom Waller, who holds victories over ACH, and now Fred Yehi as well. Two high-profile victories. Where is this man's title shot? Why is it not even in the conversation? What are you doing, MLW? This just, this top ten just makes me realize how weak a monthly top ten. That's just a gesturing at a top ten. Yeah. Because the suspense it's like, who moved? Like, before you even say a name, like, they dropped out of the top ten. Like, I'm holding my breath. Like, oh, my God, that's intense. <laughs> like, you know, if you want to pretend like it's an athletic presentation, which MLW's parents on that line, like, that, if I'm number seven one week and I'm not in the top ten the next week, like, that fucking hurts. And I need to, like, I should be taking that seriously. Either I need to train or get a match or turn heel or something because something's not working and... You know, there are guys on the top ten that I don't even know how if they're still in the company or not. So, if you're not in the top ten, you might not be around much longer. True, yeah. I'm thinking probably after we get past week ten, we have to stop dropping people off because if they haven't been on, how can I know as a top ten maker if they're still a top contender or not? You know, if they're not it's around. Hard. So, it's tough. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to stop dropping people off at some point if uh, if they don't come back. That's really what they need to do now that you're saying this is helping me think a lot, too. AEW, if you only got to have a two-hour show, like, part of the top ten should also be, well, good for you. You're, you're definitely, you know, you're going to be on television. Maybe not every week, but within two or three weeks, you'll be on television because you're top ten. And sorry, we don't always have enough time for everybody, so. Sure, yeah. And if somebody's losing, maybe you don't get booked that next yeah. week, you know. So we need yeah, winners but- in our wrestling promotion. Come on. That's where the backstage stuff would be good, too, is if they're not really making... Like, where do these guys go? Like, let, where, are they going to go somewhere? Like, are they going to train? Are they going to wrestle? Like, what are they going to do to get back on TV? And what is their motivation? Yeah, absolutely. No. Because it, it it can't just be for everybody. Where it, It's such nonsense when you think about it like this, that a lot of stuff goes on like it does. But, man, this is... And this is this would really make you wish too you had a real world champion, not a nonchalant piece of shit who has a bounty on his head but doesn't care and gets a shit beat out of him and doesn't appear on TV because <laughs> well I'm getting ahead of myself now. <laughs> Great top ten though. Um, 
it's interesting to see the movement. I think Phoenix um, jumping in is the right move. You know, Phoenix now maybe making his move a little bit later than Pentagon did in MLW, but either one of them guys, when they show up, they cannot be overlooked. Um, I think it's that same thing with Austin Aries and guys like that. These are like gigantic names in the world of MLW, uh, yeah. the first 10 Fusion episodes. So. Absolutely. Speaking of other gigantic names, Colonel Parker is in the back. <laughs> he's got an easel, and he's writing on it. And there's a tag match coming up tonight. We've been talking about this, and we're going to determine tag team champions. It is um, the Blondes taking on Yuta and Cade and uh, the Lucha Bros. It so, is. And I gotta say, I've been sort of crim- crim- ah, I've been sort of critical of Colonel Parker, just because I feel like he's a weird name to bring back because he was not that significant in the first place. But this is maybe my favorite Colonel Parker segment ever, and the reason is I am a huge sucker for managers who are making real strategies. Mm. You know, even if those strategies they may or may not even end up applying in the match. I don't know if this one did or not, but he's telling them. You know, those Lucha bros, they're going to jump yeah. on you. you got to avoid their attack. Yeah. you got to make them crash on the concrete. You know, you got to do this and that. One of my favorite memories of the whole WCW Legacy Series is before War Games 92, Paul Heyman has, like, a huge, oh, like, man. map, basically. And everyone's gathered around him, and their heads are down. And he's like, we're going to do this if we do that. We're going to do that if we do this. And uh, I love managers with real strategies. So I was, I was actually a huge mark for this little segment right here. That goes back to your authenticity, too, because it's war games. It's Paul Heyman. But the men that are gathered around that are folks who can read a fucking blueprint and go out and do something with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that that thing works. And I, and I like this, too, because Colonel Barry's coming off for a moment like, oh, he, this, he really is a godfather. He's really a legit manager. He knows what he's doing. And he's like, how many beards have you had? And it's like two. And he's like, oh, Steve Austin used to drink. like <laughs> So, and yeah, like, he's still like just like big timing off his past. And he's sort yeah. of like a pathetic <laughs> figure also. So, yeah, I don't know. We've seen um, people from the past kind of like uh, do their best work in an unexpected place. I don't know. Maybe Colonel Parker will win me over and uh, – He'll be the best he ever was in this in MLW. It's possible. I did like that segment as well. It's a good way to kick off the show, especially when your main event is going to be the tag match for the tag titles that I just put forth. We keep moving. Oh, this Go ahead. next segment. Oh, my oh. God. So, last week, or I think last week, yeah, Shane Strickland had a bounty put on his head. $20,000 American. Anybody would like to get this. Wrestlers, you know, they'll attack each other for a sandwich. So so Shane Strickland, he's got to be worried about this. Well, we caught up in the parking lot and we asked him about it. And Shane Strickland says he has no opinion about this bounty. And he thinks no one will even collect it. And because he's such a freaking dumbass, it is not five seconds later (laughs) that Brody King, God bless him. I love Brody King. I'm really happy to see him. Shows up. And just murders him in the parking lot. And it couldn't have happened at a better time to a more deserving guy. Because if you think you're the champion and you don't already have a target on your back and someone's going to pay $20,000 if they take you out and you're going to walk around with no expression, having no opinion, you deserve to be hit in the back of the head and thrown into the little grassy knoll where everyone falls and they get beat up in MLW. So 
God bless Brody King. Shane Strickland, get a life. Uh, yeah, there you go. That's what I got. I agree, man. This is, that's piss poor booking on the part of both MLW and Shane Strickland because part of it is simply the booking because that's the way they're telling the story, and part of it is just his nonchalant attitude that is partly the character, but also I think the best that he can do with his uh, delivery. And <laughs> you're burying Selena and the angle when a week has gone by and, like, this dangerous person that's put a hit on you and you're like, I don't know, dude. I don't know, dude. That's that's that, that's the response. No opinion. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I would really love to know, like, before this scene, before they film it, is someone sitting down with Shane Strickland and like, I really want you to just know sell this. Like, you don't care. Yeah. Like, maybe you didn't sleep last night and you're just tired and you don't want to talk. Maybe, like, you have no personality. Try to sell it like that. That will get it over. Or are they just saying, well, Strickland, we're just going to film your reaction to the bounty and just letting him yeah. do his own thing. I have no idea. I kind of lean towards the second, to be honest, um, just because there are a lot of people in MLW who are doing good things, and mostly it's people who seem to be driving their own stuff who are doing well, and people who are left to their own devices um, don't drive their own stuff. Are, are being like Shane Strickland and having no opinion about the fact that they're about to be murdered. So, Yeah, whoever's responsible in whatever way, because you know what I, you know what makes a bounty not really a big deal when nobody cares about it? <laughs> this is the danger. I'm going to tie this back to AEW. A lot of the talk about them, not even recently, but like in the build-up to it, it's like, oh, we're going to give people creative freedom. Well, the problem with freedom is mm. sometimes people will decide to do nothing with it. And then that leaves you with the choice. Like, do I come in and do I, like, uh, infringe on this person's freedom by telling him, hey, you also have to actually do a good job? Or do you just let them freely suck by themselves? You know, I don't know. There's a weird balance there. And it could cause problems in the future. I don't know. We'll have to see. I think the freedom should come with, we'll let you know if it's not up to par. And if it can't become up to par, then maybe you're not the right person for this company. And you need to go somewhere where you're more scripted. (laughs) <laughs> maybe so, yeah, but then uh, you look at MLW, if they're getting freedom here, uh, maybe you'll be world champion, even if you have no opinion about your life, so, I don't know. But be a that, that would be, for me, I would I would leave at that point, because if I was bo- if I was booking AEW under the premise that you're saying, Shane Strickland would have lost his belt a long time ago. Uh, on episode two, at the latest, so. <laughs> how long does it take to figure out, you know? Yeah, for sure. And that's the problem. It's not like people are booing Shane Strickland and they're not making noise for him. So I don't know. Maybe part of it is just the fans. Fucking weird. I don't know what they want sometimes. You know, they want just like flips and tricks and that's enough for them. So that's weird to me. But you're also, you're trying to pitch yourself as a serious company. Like, is when they, they try to sell Pentagon to Mist in the Eyes as being more serious than Mist sometimes is, a fucking bounty on somebody's head is no, no matter how you spell it, no matter what culture, no matter what, it's a fucking bounty on another human being's head. Right. Like, there's, there's no um, interpretation needed for some of this stuff about how you respond to it. Right. And then you undermine yourself, whether it's Strickland or them, to have a world champion who no-sells this shit when you're coming at us with, like, super serious storytelling. Yeah. So, it just uh, doesn't work. Not really. But as much as we're dunking on Strickland, I just have to say again, I am a big fan of Brody King, and he was exactly the right person to book in this role. This was a great, great way to introduce him. 
and I'm really looking forward to hopefully him murdering Shane Strickland again, but probably won't. But if he does, it'll be even better. So. And I will just say this, and this is a little bit of a spoiler for uh, something to come, but there's also something that's got to be on MLW because it just never makes sense. So you got the world champion who's a babyface and a fighting world champion who couldn't wait to get his hands on Pentagon, but there was no indication of that ever. Didn't ever step in when it looked like he wouldn't face Pentagon. And now you got someone who's no, so nonchalant that they don't even care about the bounty. But later in the show, we're going to hear from the owner of the company because Strickland is just so upset he can't be on camera. <laughs> it's really bizarre, yeah. I don't even know how to contextualize it at this point. Because, yeah, it's like a Shane Strickland's a champion who doesn't even care about being here or care about anything. Like, he could have turned around and seen Brody King coming in, and then I think he still, he would have, I have no opinion about this person yeah. coming to attack me. So, I'm shocked at how flat and just uninterested he seems. Um, and, you know, he's got a lot of fans, so we'll talk to you if you like him. But please, I am at SpectralGent. Point <laughs> me to any character work he's done out of Lucha Underground, any promos that may turn me around on him, because I'm struggling to get it at this point. Like, I don't get it at all. I've not been an enormous ACH fan, but, like, for two guys who can do pretty much the same things in the ring, ACH has, like, ten times the personality of Shane Strickland. Um, and that's just off the top of my head. Like, there's a bunch of people that could easily be in that role. So, I, Phoenix, like, he doesn't even cut. But what passion exudes from Phoenix every time you see him? Like, even if he's not speaking English, you don't even know what he's talking about. Like, just the passion just pours out of this guy. So, I don't know. There, I don't get it. I don't get. I think it's the look. I think people like his look. And I guess, but like, does that really? Is that all you need, really? Like, I don't know. I guess. So. This is how I felt as a child, honestly, watching Sting as world champion. So. <laughs> Even Sting at least had energy. I think I said that before, but man, yeah, like. Sting has good energy, but I mean, like, when Vader and Cactus Jack and folks oh, were coming sure. at him, and I was a kid, I, you know, I didn't know how to express it, but, like, I was really feeling Cactus Jack, really feeling Vader, and then Sting would finally have his sit-down response weeks later with his bruised ribs, and, you know, he, he could yell, so he, he would do a little more, maybe he would try, but just on an energy level, he never could convey to me at that time that he's mad and this is serious and that, you know... Whereas sometimes in TNA he did it, but for most of his career he just couldn't convey in it. And I just don't think Shane, maybe that's why if Shane Strickland has to be mad, he has to be mad off camera. Maybe that's, you know, because he, he can't. <laughs> well, that's very unhelpful, if true, but yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, shout out to Sting, uh, of sorts, now an LOP Hall of Famer. Um, mm. So, our narrative bashing was not successful, but oh well. Damn it. <laughs> Who knew? Who saw that coming? <laughs> More power to the little stingers out there, for sure. Yes. Uh, MVP is up next. He's got himself a promo. Yep. His thoughts are all over the place. Um, he is going to deal with... What kind of world are we in where he's going to deal with MJF, MJF first and then go to Sammy Callahan? <laughs> We're in a world where uh, he says whenever he meets Sammy Callahan, it's painful, and uh, he's got me there. I can't yes. disagree. All their stuff together has been very painful for me. <laughs> he says it's good news for the MLW faithful, which I said, do not speak for me, sir. Yeah. Well, I don't know how faithful we are. We're here yeah. lagging <laughs> on the champion so hard. So. <laughs> good point. <laughs> good point. Oh, uh, so what we actually do have right next up, though, is MJF versus MVP. And one thing I said in this match, 
MVP is not a bad wrestler, but man, are his matches boring. <laughs> uh, yeah, he actually reminded me of some of his better qualities in this match, which I had pretty much dismissed after that Callahan abomination. But, mm. oh, yeah, you can do some things, but I still don't care about you in 2019 because it's 2019 and you're MVP. So, yeah. What yeah, I will we say, could... though, yeah. MJF, we know he's great, but also Rich and Tony reacting to MJF. It's mm. like such a highlight of the episode. Like they see him and they're like, "Oh, this guy. Oh, oh, I hate him. I'm, oh, I'm glad my kids are not like him. He's the scum of the world." And like they're more professional about it than I am being, but like that's the tone of it, and they they sell it so hard, and it's great because you should react to MJF that way. Like if you are looking at it in a straight lace sort of way, if you are a babyface. Defender, then this this should be a reaction to MJF every time. Well, number one, if you're Tony Giovanni, all your kids are dead. True. Because you, you cook them in a, <laughs> in the oven. No doubt. And number two, I think if you had a son like MJF, you would you would try you would quit your job and try to be living off of him. So <laughs> I think there's a little bit of resentment there. But again, that's good because he's eliciting something. He's eliciting a response, and whether it's honestly he disgusts me. Or maybe I'm a little bit envious. Whichever one it is, he is eliciting a response. And maybe that's something. If you don't control everything your announcers say, they might be the first barometer of whether someone's working or not. Yeah, yeah, could could be. Um, so, yeah, good commentary continues on MLW. We get MJF coming to the ring. He knocks a fan's hat off, uh, nice. which is fun. He takes the mic. He says it's in my hand, not yours. When the people try to do yes. their thing, where they're trying to like cut their own promo, basically. Yep. <laughs> Makes fun of MVP and his nicknames, and he laughs at his own joke, which is a nice touch, I thought. Yeah, you gotta do it, man. You don't have no support in the <laughs> wrestling world. You gotta laugh at your own jokes. You just gotta interact with the most intelligent person in the room, if that's yourself. So yeah. Bit. MVP, we learned, is ghetto strong style, and I just want to say strong style is very near the top of my list of phrases that I wish would not be spoken of in wrestling ever again, because it mm. means nothing. It's very annoying to me. You think when Nakamura finally leaves WWE, we'll get a revival of it? No, because no, he, no, nobody, not even Nakamura, nobody, strong style, stop it. Strong style is not what you're saying it is, anybody, just, <laughs> it's annoying. It, it's a meaningless phrase at this point. Yeah, I agree with that. Oh, my. Um, but, yeah, this match, I actually kind of liked it. Um, maybe you thought it was too boring, and, yeah, MVP didn't wow me or anything, but uh, you got MJF doing a lot of big bumping. You got him, like, making fun of the taunts and the moves of MVP. MVP, I thought, picked it up a little. He's throwing, like, some really hard clotheslines. At one point, MJF is making him look better. Uh, for the match, for what it was, definitely not great, not even maybe good, but it was like a decent match. It kind of reminded me that MVP isn't a total waste of space, and, and it was an MJF appearance, so I enjoyed that at least. Yeah, they keep it short before the baseball team runs in. Yes. Try to interfere. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so E. Callahan and his goons come in. MVP apparently is able to like beat up all of them and then like dive on them. Uh, and the only reason MVP loses, kind of nothing to do with Sammy Callahan, yep. and it's MJF, like, kicks the ropes as he's coming back through, which low blows him, and then Favorite he gets a dirty pin. But, yeah, good for MJF. MJF catches the old school roll-up with the feet on the rope, and I said, the winner and still television champion, <laughs> MJF. 
Amen. God and one thing that's embarrassing to me, the camera should not show. If you wear jewelry to the ring and you lose the match, I don't want to see you collect the jewelry and put it back around your neck. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen that before, but that's not a good look. You just oh, yeah. lost the match. Just at the, the best, best, someone else either take it to you or put it in your hands and walk away. But don't go get dressed back in it. You just lost your match. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Battle Riot apparently is on. I think that's a 40-man Royal Rumble, but I'm not sure. I believe so, yes. We learned four, so 10% of the competitors. It will be Cy, Jake Hager, Barrington Hughes, which is great, Mm. uh, Johnny Utah, and Pentagon Jr., which is also great. They will all be in Battle Riot. Uh, I am a sucker for the Royal Rumble format, so I bet I will love this no matter what it looks like, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, though. Yeah, I want to love it. This is a good way too to get everybody on the camera. Yeah, you know the, the who's in the who's in the company, who's not, um, what are they about, what does their push look like, who are they in the ring with. You know, it's a lot. A lot could be learned uh, from a forty man uh, battle riot. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Barrington Hughes is in the back. He tells Selena, "You are a terrible human being." Barry Again, Hughes, though, uh, in this segment, puts over this bounty a million times better than Shane Strickland mm-hmm. could ever hope to do. So, God bless Barrington Hughes. Give the man a match. Give him some competition. He, he's one more super quick win away from a spot in the top five. So, do it. He's deeply offended at this woman and her behavior for the same, but the very man who has the bounty on his head could, could care less. <laughs> Again, and you know, for what they're trying to book Selena as, there can be no bigger, like, kind of just, like, water poured on it than a nonchalant response. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting to see how Shane struggles. And that's another thing. I was about to say it'd be interesting to see how he comes back. But, like, even if he comes back, like, super pissed at, as far as his wrestling and fighting, unless he also conveys that on the mic, I don't care. Because, yeah. That almost pisses me off more if he comes back super pissed off in his match, but the next time we see him on the mic, he's, like, nonchalant again. Yeah, I mean, it needs to be a whole package. But honestly, if he can convey anything to me, that would be great at this point. Because right now, we're at absolute zero, and that's that's pretty bad for your champion. I would think next week it has to be a brawl. You know, because, like, they're not just wrestling a match. Like, at least one of them is there to collect the $20,000 bounty on his head. I assure you Brody King will bring some brawling. <laughs> uh, what Shane Strickland will do, I have no idea. I mean, he had to go to the hospital for a week for poisoned eyeballs, and he still didn't, like, <laughs> brawl at all or That's really true. care. You're, so, that, you're right. <sighs> oh, man, I'm setting the bar as low as it can go, and then you just convinced <laughs> me that it was not low enough. <laughs> Uh, look forward to Brody King because um, I think uh, he he will be a very he would have been high on my list of people if he were not committed to Ring of Honor. Um, but yeah, maybe down the line he can be an AEW guy. I'm a fan of Brody King, so nice. hoping for him. Um, That's next week, a big yep. episode ten. Yeah, number ten. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so Yuta and Cade are there in the tag title match, and they are doing a promo. And uh, Cade is, again, you know, as the captain of the team and, you know, big leaguing. And then Tony Giovanni, straight, straight face, straight, straight, all the way down, says, reading between the lines, there's still, there seems to still be issues. <laughs> yeah, no shit, Sherlock. Yeah, I declare. Right. Here's my beef. Um, 
the, the point of this promo is that they are in the tag title match tonight. Uh, and my question is, how in God's name did they get a title shot? Yeah. They have never won a match, not one match in MLW, and they are clearly having horrible problems between them. So, you know, this match, this title match, if they're not going to have a tournament like they said they were going to, it should have been the Dirty Blondes on the virtue of they're the only team that has won a match in MLW versus the Lucha Brothers by virtue of the fact that they are just like a very well-known tag team. Wheeler, uh, Yuna and Cade should not have been anywhere near this match uh, as far as like their presentation has gone. So, so yeah, you can't have a top 10 if, if actually your wins and losses don't matter at all. And I'm going to start a top 10 for tag teams as well. Uh, and guess what? Even if, there are only three teams in MLW, and still I wouldn't put this team in the top ten, you know? Damn. There would be eight empty spaces after the first two, and then number 11 <laughs> would be this team. And I like both of these guys, but, like, presentation yeah. matters. That's the authenticity part, you know? Yeah. It's lazy booking again, too, though, because yeah. Yeah. they're giving us – this is what MLW does, and this is where I would challenge them if I had the opportunity – you give me the shell of like old school storylines, but it's lazy and it's a shell. Because right now, 10 year old me would know that if you're booking this, if they do get a tag tile shot, almost especially because they don't deserve it, Cade would not be big leaguing him. They would now be trying to be on the same page because they're excited because you know what? We might become tag champions and a lot of things can be forgiven when you're about to fucking become tag team champions. So. If he's still big leaguing him, then they really ought to break up. So, like, is he just – are they just staying together so they can be mad at each other and they don't even really want to win? Right. Like, that does not make sense. This is the this is the moment where you have them, like, really come together because, by God, like, we fucked around and here we are still in the tag title match. Like, okay. Like, this is where you go home and pray and say, you know what? Wow. I have lived as a horrible human being and I have been graced – with the tag title match, and we're going to do better. And then, of course, you know it might not turn out like that. And then everything is really under the surface. This is storytelling one oh fucking one and it, But it represents a lot of things they do wrong. Like, here is the framework of a storyline that could be a good one. We're not really going to pay attention to the small print and the things within the frame, but we're going to give you the frame. I want to change my answer for that Paul Heyman question. I, I want to be a Paul Heyman to MLW and nice. help them find their life a little bit. Uh, maybe I'm a little, little arrogant or something, thinking that I can maybe give them some good advice. But man, I don't know. I just see some gaps that I feel like can be plugged up and uh, and be made a lot better. So that, yeah, that's my feeling. I don't doubt it. <laughs> I'm not going to pretend like because just because – we're on a podcast talking about wrestling, and they're booking wrestling. That everything that they do is better than what we think that they maybe should do. Well, God bless you, because I agree. Okay, good to hear. All right. And that's good because like, I, I just read they just got like TV deals in two more countries. Yeah, more power to them. Like they're doing yeah. some good stuff. Like we said, they're fun, but I just feel like they could be more. So easily know. though, that's the fun part. That's yeah. why your job would be easy because <laughs> like you can go in and say things that don't take five minutes to to think up, and it also. Really wouldn't take much altering. You're doing right. the same thing with the same amount of time. It's just, hey, have you thought about this? <laughs> have you thought that your character might feel like this because of this instead of, you know? And also, I didn't like that. I, I kind of get the idea that Shane Strickland is responding to uh, the fucking MLW cameras like it's TMZ and he's some fucking like movie star slash whatever slash whatever. Right. You know, he really just couldn't be bothered to give an answer. 
Yeah. Well, you got bothered because of a fucking hitman trying to yes. assassinate. Uh, is there a cooler way to come into a promotion that yeah. has like a bounty hunter hitman? Like, it's just cool. Man, that's really. Imagine being—I don't even know how old I was—but being a child, never watching pro wrestling in your life, and within one or two months of seeing it for the first time, you see Abdullah the Butcher and Cactus Jack come out of boxes. Yes, amazing! <laughs> I love it. Yes, you don't get over that quickly. No. <laughs> okay, so we talk a lot about we're trying to be honest. This is a legacy series, and so there are things they're doing poorly, and there's some things I think that are doing really, really well. And I like the, all these additional. Like I, I look forward to Simon Gotch having a prize fight. Yeah, Simon Gotch would probably have no real interest around him at all if he weren't doing this. You know, has a gimmick that that yeah makes me interested every time. The $250 yeah. prize fight challenge. This I week. like it. He's out here. He's going to do it. This time it is Mike Perro, who is number eight on the top ten. We've not seen him for several weeks, but here he is answering that challenge. I guess he aligned with Colonel Parker, not Sammy Callahan, as I was afraid of, which is a good choice uh, by comparison. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I liked how different this was. To the first one, um, you know, where he just kind of like killed a hopless jobber. Like, oh, yeah, somebody was ready this time. Like, they want that 250. Yes. They're going to come out and they're going to collect it. And it might even be easy for them if you don't have a trick up your sleeve. This is what I meant by building suspense. Like, I, Simon Gotch is nothing kind of but the second man or lackey before he started doing this for Tom Lawler, which is that's a fair role, but that is a role, it's a passive relational role. Right. And so. You give him this challenge, and it's for $250, and yet I'm looking forward to it every time it comes, and I know somebody's going to like probably get that money. So every single week, I both look forward to that and kind of hope it doesn't happen so that I can keep looking forward to it. Yeah. Nothing wrong with giving your fans something to look forward to. Yeah, yeah. It's a really effective... It's, it's just an old-school, effective little thing. You give your match a little bit of stakes, a little bit of consequence, and, yeah, it's going to be, like, ten times better than it would be otherwise. And it's weird because it's heel versus heel, managers and managers, but it makes perfect sense. Like, who else would be petty enough to want to get that money than Colonel Parker, who supposedly has all that money, but now is trying to collect that $250? Yeah, absolutely. And I thought he might get it. Like, I was a little disappointed. I was like, damn, we went from... White belt to like this thing's gonna end, you know, but it didn't end and it didn't end again because of continuity and one of the best storylines. I don't know how much this is Lawler and Gotch, how much it's MLW, but I love this idea that they use objects to knock people out and then they throw on their little MMA like choke or whatever and act like they're, that they're like tapping people or, or like knocking them out. And it's not, it's nothing but the object. Like that is a true. Heel move, yeah. uh, top of the line heel move. Yeah, it was great. Um, I liked uh, a lot of things about this. It was very short, so there was kind of only so much there, but it was super effective for the time that it went. I loved, loved, loved that the timer was on the screen. Uh, Shades of the York Foundation, when you mm. give like a little time limit to your match, it's going to make it that much more important. I liked the Mike Perro, despite being aligned with Colonel Parker was like the default face here and he actually worked it really well that way because it shows you it's not just like face locker room heel locker yeah. room there's like 
Colonel Parker heels who are like kind of jerks, but like they're just sort of who they are. And then there's Tom Lawler team filthy heels who are like enormous jerks and like 10 times worse. Yeah. So you get to play with those characters a little bit. Um, yeah, it was fun stuff. And I especially liked after the match, the stud stable comes out. Team Filthy is there too, and they are like backing off. And I just love when like different groups come together in these interesting ways. And uh, there's just so many moving pieces, so much rich content. Uh, I really liked kind of all the seeds that were laid here. A lot of good stuff. Yeah. And it's so real too, in that if you're with somebody, you got thought to be responsible. Like if they get into a situation, then oh fuck, you know, like you're kind of dragged along. And so, like, I don't think there's any world where a team fieldy gets out of bed or Colonel Parker Stable gets out of bed and like, let's go target those guys. Right. But now this two hundred two hundred and fifty dollars has thrown them all into a space <laughs> where it's never going to be that good unless someone does something when they're around each other and two kind of hill stables like that. That's kind of fun. It's kind of fun because you don't see it all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that goes back to authenticity of character, honestly, because yes. uh, something happened and it doesn't matter if it's said in the script that you're a healer face, you're compelled to react yep. in a certain way because yeah. you have the weight of your whole character behind you and it's going to push you out of that little box. You can't just be an interchangeable guy because you've got all this stuff attached to you that makes you different, that makes you special. So, yeah, I love that stuff. Yeah, man, that was good. That was good stuff. And then we get to this stupid moment. The owner on the phone <laughs> says, Shane Strickland in no mood to be on camera. <laughs> what what a way to phrase it. It's not like he was too injured. He's just in a, he's not in a mood to, to not, talk that, about it. The guy's a – I feel like they're always unaware. They're always burying him. He's always burying the product. But, but the goal is only to get it over. It's just a weird – See, here's my – Takeaway from this, they they say like, oh, Strickland wants to wrestle King, and we don't want him to, basically. So I guess you would yeah. just like Shane Strickland to never wrestle, I guess, because you wouldn't give <laughs> Pentagon the match, yes. and you don't want him to wrestle Brody King. You just want him to cut these like sleepy promos forever. <laughs> I, I don't get it. Oh my god. Well, he's off. He's off building a, a brand, so <laughs> or something. You know, he's off he's taking a nap. Pay for that rental car. <laughs> I liked it. I thought they were going to go with an unsanctioned match. They didn't They didn't ever fully go there, but that is... Yeah, you're going to be an old-school company, you have to have an unsanctioned match. Yeah, the lights-out match. Yeah. yeah, where you, like, dim the lights for a minute, and then it's, like, not <laughs> officially part of the card anymore. Yeah, that whole thing. It's just nasty, especially as an adult now. Because, like, I'm not going to get into it because it's not our territory, but I did think John Oliver did a pretty good job on what he talked about. And... You know, that's almost the idea of being an independent contractor is you're never sanctioned, really, even though you got to kind of live the life. Right. But for a company to say, you can have my arena and you can have my ring, but we're not responsible for what happens. We're not sanctioning this. <laughs> like, that's that something that's that's some, you know, some, some stuff might happen there. And I think they should have went with that. But instead, we just get a weird like. He's being a bitch right now. He won't come out. <laughs> he's uh he's in a mood, and you know that's yeah. I'm gonna talk for him. And then also, it's also the board of directors kind of got to try to get you out of the Pentagon match, and now the owner is speaking on your behalf. Like, I don't know what kind of character you're trying to portray here, but it's not going well. 
it's they've almost built up like like if he were a heel, this might actually be compelling because yes. he seems to care so little and he's protected by management and he won't <laughs> yes. he won't come wrestle like all the people who are bravely going to confront him. Like it's so backwards. I don't get it at all. <laughs> I, yeah, I think I'd be all about this if it was a heel because it might, you know, yeah, like, it might be ideal actually. There's no greater heel move than I'm gonna be your world champion. But I don't care about your company. Yeah, how can he not be? Because he comes out and he's like, "I'll be a fighting champion," and he never fights. Like he's lying. Yeah. He's avoiding people. Uh, how is he not? I don't know. Maybe he's like a secret heel, and we just didn't know. LeBron James is taking the most heat he's ever taken before, and partly he got injured, and then and the, he went to the Lakers. But partly he got injured and he didn't make the playoffs. But on the other side of that, he's doing a lot of movies and a lot of shows that people are already thinking, is he going to the Lakers because he wants to finish his career by like reviving an old brand? Or is he just get, going there because he wants to be in California? He couldn't play one day because of load management. And then uh, because of the date on the when they released, he was directing a rap video. And it was the same night where he could, the night before he couldn't play because of load management. And it's almost the same thing is that like, you go do all the things you want to do, but if it affects you working within the thing where I, the context of which I watch you, then I'm fucking pissed off. And you can't be on camera, you can't be bothered, you're talking about a different kind of career, you're riding around in your little rented car, and then you're not in the mood. You're not in the mood to talk about what happened. Like, it's, it's about as bad a look as you can have. Like, he needs a new PR person, is my first thought. Yeah. He needs to come out swinging. He needs to, he needs to instigate everything next week, and he just, you know, because, like, this might be the easiest bounty of all time. And how do you collect? They didn't make that clear, because... Yeah, that's the other thing. Like, does he have to forfeit the title, or just, like, be injured, or yeah. he just be dead for real? I don't know. I don't some some clearer stakes would have helped also. Yeah, because if he's unwilling to be on camera, have you already won? Yeah, yeah like he won't come out of his room. He's <laughs> too moody, so. <laughs> oh, there's, a there's a bounty on the mood of the heavyweight champion. <laughs> <laughs> what a world. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, it's we have good. a different t championship to be decided tonight. Yes. Um so we have our main event, as we mentioned, is the Lucha Brothers versus Team TBD, team never to be determined, probably, mm. um, and the Dirty Blondes, who at the end of the show are called the Hollywood Blondes by Tony Schiavone. So. Uh, nice. <laughs> so similar. Yes, yes, the same people almost. So this one is uh, kind of where I think all three teams can go at it, or no? That really bothered me, actually, because they do it at first, like they're going to tag in and out, but then almost immediately it goes away, and they never go back to it. So why not just, like, announce it as a tornado tag match? Yeah. Why tease this other thing if you're just not going to even pay attention? Um, yeah, I don't know. There were some good things in this match, and so far as, like, some of the moves were very cool, um, and I did like it in general, but I had some big problems with it, too. Probably the biggest of which being the Dirty Blondes are the first team eliminated here. Whoa. So what are they a... thinking? What a heartbreaker. You've got the perfect opportunity to take out the team that has no business being in this match, which can't even get along for five seconds, and then leave the match with like a very clear face team and a very clear heel team. And you have a great dynamic 
and it's like two different styles combining, but instead, no, get these like old school guys out of the way so we can just kind of like run really fast and do like the maximum number of flips and stuff. So, uh, you know, um, I'm sure it sounds like I didn't like the match, so maybe I didn't after all, but still, like, I just felt like, just like MLW, this match could have been a lot more than it was if they had gone just a slightly different way. And it's two different things, so I think what you're talking about does not necessarily mean you don't like the match. Right. And I never like MLW any less than what I do like it, but man, there's so much shitty stuff that goes on in their storytelling, and this is a... <laughs> I thought the only reason, like, if I'm just going off evidence... For ten weeks or nine weeks, the only reason that we were having tag titles seemed to always come at the context of the Dirty Blondes. Right. Like I said, they are the only team that has ever won a match yeah. in MLW. <laughs> and so clearly they're going to be the first one eliminated. <laughs> or at least you know, they're going to be like the runners-up, but not even. Like, they were eliminated halfway through. That's it makes, this, is, <laughs> this is like Pentagon, though, winning a title shot on the first night and then doing nothing with it until you take it away from him, only to give it back to him, but not to build any heat or to do anything, just to to do it. Like they right. don't know how they don't understand the shape of a story. And I was really shocked. I was shocked by the Dirty Blondes going out. I thought it was a bad decision, and I'm still not a fan um, because I am only I've only seen Yuta and Cade here. Neither of them have convinced me to be fans. But I weirdly have to say that once the Blondes left. I don't know how much I liked or did not like the match, but I found it far superior to the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Bros. Oh, strongly agree. Um, I, I'm not being anything. I'm not exaggerating. And that's supposed to be the greatest like tag match and competition of all time going on. <laughs> and I found it far superior. No, I agree. Yeah, because you didn't cave, you know... Uh, I get why they might not be a cup of tea or maybe you haven't seen them enough or whatever yet, but at least they wrestled this match. Like they were very invested yes. in winning it. Um, you know, they made some really compelling saves. Uh, they did seem like they were like really pulling it together. And I wish they had put that over in the promo earlier, <laughs> like you said. And again, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's the question of just like weird storytelling. Um, so yeah, no, I, that as much as that's not the way I would have gone, I can't say they didn't, like, put it over well, because they did, honestly. You know, they they did kind of all they could with it, I'd say. There was some good exchanges, some good splashes, some good, like, oh, they're really going to beat the Lucha Bro moments. Yeah. You know, and I don't know, I wish, in order to get everything done, and because I'm partly excited after we do our shows, I have to watch MLW early. <laughs> you know, so, and then sometimes I can't read my notes, but I wish I really could get into the weeds of this thing, but... There's like three, four, five good reasons why I thought this was so much better. And it blew my mind in that regard because it just did. And I, so I was very pleased with what this became. But there's no excuse still for the booking of it based on what you've given us. Yes, thank you for articulating that. Because as much as, yeah, I absolutely would have gone a different way, what we got was still very good, like in its own way, um, its particular kind of style. But like you said, they had enough kind of weight in there that it didn't yeah. didn't strike me as like a young box kind of match um even if we did get the pentagon who who could not would not stop taunting the whole match long yeah um, which always irritates me but still and that's part of my because we got we kind of got the lucha bros that are more facing the young bucks than the ones that we know from from right uh, lucha underground and yet mm -hmm. still yet still still much better yeah much better <laughs> i agree so Okay, man, this is 
like I said, a lot of good exchanges, and you really kind of not Z-Man and Brian Hillman ish, but you know, like you kind of got this who you would think would be the U.S. Tag Champions, and they're like, no, they're they're gonna do what they're gonna upset, and like you said, you're a great point by making my point again because I had not connected it all together. If they really come together in that promo and they almost won like this, I would really care when it falls apart. Right, yeah. That would have been something different entirely. Mm. Yeah, yeah, the pieces are there. It just yeah, it's a little frustrating how they come together. So um, the outcome that everyone could have guessed happens. The Lucha Brothers get the win. Um you know, it's one thing if you thought the Dirty Blondes would win, but you know, MLW they're giving their titles to like names so yeah. yeah it's the lucha brothers um so as we kind of expected they are now stuck together hopefully not forever but maybe forever in mlw and uh yeah i don't know technically i guess they're still with selena but was she was she here yeah even, she was here but i have she, no she notes about out, her at all so she yeah. rewarded them with bottles and they drank bottles after oh, yeah that's right yeah yeah, I still hope they split off, like, just as soon as possible, because it's still, it's a bad fit. Um, and none funny. of it right now matters, because whether they're with her or not with her, whether they're together, like, I would have no idea that you were building these guys to become tag team champions. Right, yeah. All they did was fight each other so far. Yeah. So you need, like, knowledge from outside MLW to, like, understand, yes. yeah, the weight of things that happen in MLW, which I That's guess not is not okay. unreasonable in the modern, like, wrestling world. But still, like, have some more pride in your own product. Like, make your own story. That's another thing with Lucha Undergrounds. They took a bunch of guys who had narratives elsewhere, and sometimes they incorporated some of it, but it was always very much like, you are our characters, and we are going to, like, make you in our own way. And it was the right call, honestly. So, yeah. It would take two seconds. Like, I would be very intrigued to know a pissed-off loser Pentagon, who's out of the world title picture, yeah. and how Phoenix goes up to him and convinces him, you know, to be a tag team. Yeah, or even even a little Selena promo. Yeah, it's a good promo. Like, just give us something. Yeah. But just magically, magically. Yeah. And then like Colonel Parker. It is lazy because it's just like, well, you know, the Lucha Brothers are a tag team, so yeah. what? Here they are. You know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like That's you already knew. We're not gonna tell you. We're not gonna bother. Or if I watch Lucha Underground, they're not, they're not a tag team. Yeah. So, like, it's not my job to know everything they do everywhere to be able to watch your product. It shouldn't yeah. be. Yeah. I feel like there's an expectation now with companies like MLW that if you've gone down to MLW, you probably have seen, like, a bunch of other stuff. But I don't know if that's the right assumption to make, especially if you are on TV, you have a YouTube show. Yeah. You know, you're more accessible than a lot of these other companies that you're assuming that people may or may not have seen. So... Not everyone is ordering, like, PWG shows because it's a pain in the ass to do so. So, yeah, come on, you know, just tell your own story just a little bit. That's, that's all I want because you've yeah. got so much great stuff, but it could it could just be better. That's yeah, you want me to believe your world champion is just out there in, all, like, making all kinds of money and all kinds of entertainment because he's your world champion. But at the same time, your promotion is so insignificant that I should know the storylines based on outside of your company. Right, right. Yeah. Like, one of those has to go. Track. So that's that is the end of the the, the episode. Um, again, it's going not a bad episode. You know, this is the legacy series. We are going to critique, and then if things go well, we're gonna we're gonna compliment where we see compliment. But this has been to me from episode one to episode nine that 
rarely do they put anything on the table that's not intriguing unless it's like Sammy Callahan. And but like the the follow through, Mister had mentioned puzzle, the pieces of the puzzle. It's like every piece of the puzzle is there. It's almost taken for granted. So like, well, why do we need to connect them? You see, all the pieces are on the table. But no, there, there's also a uh, the connecting of the puzzle is also part of a puzzle. So do all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot that could be done. And uh, I don't know. They're still kind of early in their little life. So we got a lot of weeks to go. Could uh, could see it all pulled together a lot more. I don't know. I'm, I'm still... Uh, it's so contradictory when we talk yes. about MLW because we're like excited but also like shitting on them half the time. So I don't know. I'm still excited. Absolutely. Just like next line out of my mouth is gonna be, and <laughs> I'm still excited to watch it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's something about just that weekly product when you're putting time into your characters and your stories, even if you're not doing the best job ever. If you're putting that time in, yes, it's so easy for me to invest in that kind of stuff. Like. Even if it's a little bit half-assed, I will have no problem. I'm so I'm very invested in a lot of MLW stuff, like probably even more than maybe they deserve. But I want to know, like, about the the prize fight challenge with Simon Gotch. I yeah. want to know what's going to happen to Pentagon. What's going to happen with the Dirty Blondes and Colonel Parker? You know what what's going to happen with MJF and Joey Janela? All this stuff, like, I really want to know. So, so yeah, I'm still here. I'm not going anywhere. Just like. You could raise your game, but still, like, I'm in the game anyway. It's like the foundation is good. They just have not figured out how to build the house. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they keep go. tearing it down, and every time they tear it down, I'm like, fuck, there's that foundation, though. That's, that's pretty good. Yep, yep, absolutely. So I find myself excited for episode 10. Do we know what uh, is coming? I can I find easily number 10. The $20,000 bounty, it's called. We have, for the first time ever, four matches on the show, it looks like. We have the debut of Teddy Hart taking okay. on Trey Miguel, who is number 10 in the top 10. He's about 10. to fall out of your top 10. <laughs> yeah, he may. He probably will, with Teddy Hart coming in. We have, oh, this is exciting, Barrington Hughes returning to the ring to take on someone he's going to squash, probably, Ferris Hakim. Okay. We have Cotto Brazil. Who aligned himself with uh, Rich Squan, taking on uh, Vandal Ortegun, who I think was squashed by Mike Perro a few yeah. weeks back. And then we have the bounty match Brody King versus Shane Strickland. So I'm seeing a lot of potential for movement in the top 10 from this yeah. episode. That makes me excited. I'm really looking forward to this one. Um, yeah, there's no Sammy Callahan book, there's no MVP book, no Jake Hager book. Uh, that's a lot of good. Good signs going into this episode. That sounds like a good episode 10 to me. It does, yeah. It sounds very good. I'm curious particularly yeah, about Teddy Hart, because I know uh, Cult Icon is an enormous fan of this guy, uh, in spite of kind of his weird history with wrestling. So we'll see if we share that feeling. But yeah, we're going to have Barrington Hughes. We're going to have the debut of Brody King in the ring. I'm really excited. It's going to be a good show. The first videos I watched of MLW were the New Heart Foundation. Ah, uh, yeah, okay, so you know a little already. Uh, so we're moving that way. We got to see what we get. I will say I'm either going to like Teddy Hart or hate him. <laughs> but he's interesting to me because I've watched some I've watched some non wrestling like stuff, and to me he seems like a compulsive liar who I would not trust for five seconds. Oh no, he 
I I would not want to talk to him as a person from all that I have seen. <laughs> Never. But yeah, at the same time, he's kind of, he's kind of play like he got out of jail. Apparently, he's kind of playing like mentor to all these young hearts. Yeah. You know, who who look at him in a very godlike way as far as like this is you know like he's the guy in that. So like that is interesting because that's very contradictory in a way that could be intriguing. Um. I can't say one way or the other, but I am glad that we're moving that direction. I'm looking forward to seeing what we're going to see from these guys who, like, that's it, that's an MLW privilege to me that they got these guys and they can do this. I don't know how they get away with it, but they do it. Yeah. But they're running a heart foundation group in their company, and they got all these guys. So. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know how some of these copyright things work, but it's all good for me. I think there should be a lot more fair use than there is for stuff like this. Yeah. So um, I'm all about it. Uh, all right, cool. Anything else we want to talk about before we call it a day here? I will just say the little clips I've seen that made me intrigued enough to watch we haven't even gotten to. So I was always – I wondered how Black Friday management would be, and I wondered how the new Heart Foundation would be. And we're 10 episodes in, and we haven't hardly explored that. So we're moving into more stuff that I am excited to see. Will MLW mature? Will it stay the same? A lot to look forward to as we go forward in the Legacy series. Absolutely so. Uh, Thanks, everyone who listened. As I said earlier, I am at Spectral Gent. Give me a shout. Give me a follow. Talk about any of this stuff and more. Hope you check out the other great programs on LOP Radio. Uh, I'm going to try to list them all, but there's a lot of great stuff out there that you should be listening into. Also, lordofpain.net, lopforums.com for a lot of great written material. Um, yeah, there's just a tremendous amount of good stuff out there from the LOP brand, so I hope you'll come and be a part of that. We're looking forward to having you. That's all I got. We'll be back next week with more AEW, more MLW, more of this and that. The next thing is going to be great, so we will see you then. Absolutely. Until next time, don't let the legacy be dictated to you. Rewatch, revisit, rewrite. I saw an undiscovered creature climbing on the mountainside. You know that no one else believed me. About that, with green eyes and white stripes and salted tears, I knew that these were just its cautionary features. Keep telling myself nothing to fear. It's just an undiscovered creature coming up to meet you. He's the one that's scared. It's just an undiscovered creature. Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared The undiscovered creature The undiscovered creature I never saw this one in books Or heard a myth of it Looks like it came from underwater I thought I'd seen Every life form But there it is, an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya, he's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya, he's the one that's scared The undiscovered creature
red stripes and salted tears I knew that these were just its cautionary features Keep telling myself nothing to fear It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared The undiscovered creature